Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the planet or at the John Campion Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, the Cincinnati Bengals, all sorts of good stuff, and we are so glad you guys are joining us here on this Monday, the beginning of a brand new week, a week filled with triumph and victory that lays ahead, and we hope all of that for you, the ones you love, and all other things considered. I am, of course, very happy that you guys have decided to spend part of your day here joining us. And not only is it me, we're joined by the one and the only, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, you know, I mean, I'm not known as a sports guy, but I will say this. I love excellence in entertainment. And my God, have we got some great entertainment with these the last two weekends of football. Amazing. It's been the best football I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, Millions and millions and millions of people are tuning in. If you're if you are entertained, as Maximus said, it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing. And by the way, it's uh you were just happy that the San Francisco 49ers lost. Well, there is that. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if you'd have a different there opinion of the 49ers. I, I'm not going to lie, John. Uh, that was a glorious, glorious victory pulled off by our local boys here. And, and uh, uh, speaking of local boys sitting over here, a man who I kid you not was in tears. Yep. Literal. I, I'm not joking. I'm before not even before they even won. Before the final seconds counted down with this, his Cincinnati Bengals that Ray oh. has followed and loved his whole life, watching them lose uh -huh. year after year, like me watching the Toronto Maple Leafs, and to watch him watching his Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs, unbelievable oh, comeback. Man. It was an incredible thing. Ray Ora's here, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, what's up? I mean, I was telling Rob this. I'm not blessed with much, but someone blessed me with January 30, 2022, the Halo trailer. Yeah, you got <laughs> I got the Halo trailer. And we won an AFC championship. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, life is complete. Ray. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they win the Super Bowl or not, because Ant's team's on the other side. So I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take yesterday and I'm living it, baby. I just want to know, are we going to have to do something like, should we call perhaps an EMT in case Cincinnati wins? <laughs> does win the Super Bowl? They win the are we going to need Bowl, a doctor I, you know, on hand yeah, for you? Do we exactly? need to do that? You know what? As far as I'm concerned, getting, I never thought I would live to see the day that they would win the AFC, to be honest. Like I said, I'm probably going to die and not see anything happen with this team. So yesterday was the biggest sports moment in my life. And now, by the way, I should also mention, uh, Chris Carr is not here today. Uh, Chris and her husband, Logan, have been moving, and today's their final day of just kind of uh, getting everything settled away and putting that. So Chris isn't here today. She'll be back again tomorrow. Keep your guys open for that. And guys, it's good to have you here. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break the show up into two parts. The first half of the show, we're going to take some predetermined topics that we've got lined up. Then the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. How do you get a live comment or question in on the show? It's easy. you got to be watching live. And if you're watching live, you can just go and use the super chat feature over there in the live chat. Now, we start, I announced this last week, we're starting something new. 
Um, for you guys who do not watch the show live, you know, any of the other 22 hours during the day, but you still want to send in a, a question or a comment to be read, we're starting a new show today called Mailbag. And that's John Campion Mailbag. You guys know I've been doing mailbags ever since back in the AMC days. And so from now on, if you've got a question or comment you want read, but you can't be here to watch the show live to send a comment or question, we're going to be having a dedicated show done two to three times a week called mailbag if you'd like to send in a question for a mailbag show go ahead down into uh the description of this video you'll see a tip link www.streamelements.com slash movie blog tv slash tip where you can enter it in manually there send it on in and you're going to see your question or comment read on a mailbag show if we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used on our shows and of course you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved with the john campia show thank you guys very much for your support okay guys with that down, let's get into a couple of off the tops here, shall we? With an all guys day. It's guys, guys day. day. <laughs> Sausage fest. Oh, man. It stinks in here, buddy. <laughs> smells like nerd and virginity. And in pork. This place. <laughs> <laughs> smells like pork in here. <laughs> all right. Here's what we're going to do, guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew this. There's a movie that's pretty big. It's called Spider-Man No Way Home. Really? It's been It's done pretty well. It's done all right. We're going to talk about just how well it's done in just a little while. But, you know, the movie's been out for over a month now. So it's time to start looking forward. Even still, world, still number one at the box office. Again, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But it's been out for over a month, so it's time for everybody to start thinking about the home video release and all that kind of stuff. Now, Rob, we say all the time that, uh, you know, physical media... It's 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 in its last days. It's in its waning dynasty. Well, last days. years. Last Sorry, years. yes, yes. It's it's in it's in the, the Maybe twilight. Maybe last decade. You know, in the terms of Brother Dawn, Brother Day, and Brother Dusk, physical media is Brother Dusk. It, it's I mean, it's just been kind of on its way out. But it's still here. Yeah. For and a while. One of the best things about physical even though I'm not a physical media guy, my number one favorite thing about physical media is bonus features. Now, they're slowly, finally starting to move bonus features onto streaming as well, which is nice. But, I mean, when you think bonus features, you're primarily thinking about the Blu-rays and stuff like that. Well, if you are a Spider-Man No Way Home fan, there is good news. If you're like me and like bonus features, because apparently there's reports coming out now that Spider-Man No Way Home uh, is going to be completely blacked out. No, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, there we go. Spider-Man No Way Home is said to have almost two hours, over 100 minutes of bonus features added onto its disc. It's about now, time. Now, this is great because I have bought many a disc in my life, excited about bonus features to see there's a five-minute this and a seven-minute that, and that's the bonus features. This actually 100 minutes. Now, it's not the Lord of the Rings bonus features. Nope. And it's not Star Wars, the Phantom Menace, you know, bonus features. But still, this is a nice amount of bonus features. I mean, I really do hope one of the main things we're going to see on this is some kind of little 15-minute vignette about bringing the three Spider-Men together. I mean, if you just have like a little 15-minute mini documentary just about that, dude, it's been years since I bought a physical disc. I may go out and buy that disc. You put that on the disc, I probably go out and buy that disc. I mean, again, as a visual effects guy, I'd be fascinated to see some in-depth stuff about how they pulled together the, the visual effects, how they did all that kind of stuff. All that sounds good to me, but at that now, I wanted to ask you, Rob, because you know, you've 
not only are you somebody who appreciates physical media and you appreciate bonus features, you are literally a producer of bonus feature content. Indeed. You've done some of the biggest films in the world producing bonus feature content. You've got a damn Saturn Award uh, <laughs> on your on your mantle for that I kind do. of stuff. So you hear about this, good news, bad news, and what kind of stuff do you think we can look forward to seeing on a Spider-Man No Way Home bonus features? Well, I think, John, you know, one of the great disappointments for me, I love the MCU. I have been very disappointed at the special features on the Marvel discs because I think like the movies themselves that tell this big interconnected story, they could have done the same thing with their bonus features. The same way that the team I work with on Lord of the Rings did that with the extended edition supplements. I hope what I want to know is I want to know, first of all, where did the idea of putting together all these 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 villains from different timelines and the Spider-Man, where did that come from? You know, and, and once they came up with the idea, how did they how did they set off on that set up set off on that path? What was it like for Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal to reach out to Andrew Garfield and reach out to to Tobey Maguire? I mean, how did that happen? And then once it happened, you know, what were the decisions that then led into the rest of the movie? I mean, there are great stories to tell there. And what I've worked on, I did a three-hour documentary on the making of Superman Returns. And the genesis of that project was a big part of the story. And I think that people want to know these things. And like you said, the visual effects in this film were enormous, you know, and and, and I would love to see a, a bonus piece about how Marvel has to lie to our the fandom in trailers. Like what happens when they've got a finished effect shot and they're like, well, we, we need to take Spider-Man out of this shot so people don't know. And there's there's so much interesting things they could cover. But to know that there's this much bonus features on this particular movie I'm excited, John. I'm excited. What I really want to see is director's commentary as well. I mean, that that to this day remains of all the more than blooper reels or outtakes or deleted scenes. Or I, I can give her. I mean, I enjoy watching those, but honestly, I can give and take all of those. The main things to me are that the actual things talking about the making of the film, oh. like getting the how did the three Spider Men come together? How did they put together visual effects? But director's commentary for me, has always been like the first thing I always look for. Oh, I agree. First thing I always go to. Hearing what was going on, hearing the director, and maybe sometimes they have a writer with them as well or whatever, talking about and going through the process of what they saw and how they pulled it together, what went into the thinking in this scene. I hope they have some John Watts doing that. I hope so too. I mean, you know, some of the director's commentaries, Kurt Russell and John Carpenter on Escape from New York. You can hear him cracking beers, talking about the movie. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger on Conan the Barbarian with John Milius. I mean, these are essential. I love when I, you know, David Fincher's commentaries. Amazing. I would love to have a John Watts commentary, especially because for him, this is his third Spider-Man movie. Yep. So and, and probably his last. Right. Hopefully he'll move over to Fantastic Four. Yeah, remember, wait, everybody, wait, everybody remember, he's now John Watts. A lot of people forget he's now it's official. He's moving over to do Fantastic Four. So this very well could have been his last Spider-Man movie. Yeah. But you know who's been an auxiliary member of the Fantastic Four before? Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yes, he has. Spider-Man has been a, a bench player for the Fantastic Four. So I don't know. Maybe John Watts brings Spider-Man into Fantastic Four. Who knows? You know the uh, best could be. You know the best bonus features for for Marvel and Disney. For I meant Marvel and DC for me have been the first Iron Man. I think that's the way the, you do special features. There was good. They stuff. went there was really, really good stuff on. They the went into the before. The, even the movie took place like uh john favreau like working himself up to start doing the movie to drawing the suit to making the suit to filming 
all the way up to even the premiere of the movie. And I was like, they were broken up in sections. Yeah. And I was like, this is the perfect template of how you please a Ray Aura. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the other one was crazy. By the way, you need to put that on your dating profile too. <laughs> the, other one, please Ray Aura. the other one was Batman Begins. Because what's funny about that disc is you had to find the special features. You had to click right two times. And then all of a sudden the Batmobile would uh, glow and you clicked on it. Yeah, that used For to years, I didn't know about this. I had the Batman Begins DVD <laughs> and I watched all of it. And that was cool too. So you know what? I'm all ready for bonus features. That's the only reason why I buy Blu-rays now is for that. So let's do it. Let's put in more stuff in there. I I mean, I agree. Actually, you know, my, my favorite filmmaker of all time, Steven Spielberg. It frustrates the hell of me that he is so against bonus feature stuff and he doesn't do director's commentaries. And it's like, come on, Stephen, what are you doing? Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? The fact that it's going to be over 100 minutes of bonus features. Hopefully that doesn't include, you know, director's commentary. That's something else entirely. What are you hoping to see? Now? What kind of features do you want to see there? Is this enough to get you to go out and buy a disc if you're not really a disc buyer? What do you guys think? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top. And that one more off the top is this. And really, this is just a side note. <laughs> you know, a lot of noise got made when uh, Critical Role did their crowdfunding raising f to try to get their own animated thing going yeah and they raised millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and like, god bless them and th they broke a bunch of records for that genre of fundraising and stuff like that all that kind of stuff and then along comes the legend of vox machina which is now on amazon it debuted now they put out a trailer for it a while ago a couple of trailers I, I didn't like them i like the critical role people but i watched shares like nah this, uh, frankly, looks kind of cheap, doesn't look very funny, and uh, whatever. So this weekend, in between football games and after football games, Ann and I decided to sit down and watch, because they put the first three out. So this past week, the first three episodes of uh, Vox Machina came out. We sat down and watched it, and I'll tell you what, it works. Yeah, it does. This is a funny, not only is it a funny show, but it, as a, as a Dungeons and Dragons player and a role player myself, within their storyline are a lot of very classic, you know, role playing game campaign story hooks and stuff like that. The stuff with the dragon, the the various characters and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I was thinking they're going to make it rated R. They're going to throw in a lot of really vulgar jokes just for the sake of being vulgar. But I'm telling you what, every time they did, I thought they knocked it out of the park. I thought it was funny. Yep. Now, is this on the same level as Arcane? No, this is not on the same level as Arcane. Is this on the same quality level as, you know, maybe some of those other things? No, probably not. But considering I wasn't expecting anything out of this, and for me, the three episodes flew by. And by the time that the, the little kind of a cliffhanger at the end of the third episode, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for more. Sign me up. And and this is this is another example of a real pleasant surprise for me of a movie or a show that I didn't think looked very good and got to be really pleasantly surprised by it. I think this is where now you started checking this one yeah. out yourself, right, Rob? What do you well, think? Being, I, I liked it too. You know, I heard that it was vulgar and violent and funny. And uh, what I also love about this show, and it was, <laughs> and I liked it. What I really like is that you have creators. People think that just because creators have a certain amount of success or fame behind them, it's sometimes impossible to get your 
projects funded. And when you turn to crowdfunding, to me, what the critical role people did was exactly what crowdfunding is all about. They're going direct, directly to their viewers, directly to their fans. They're paying for a project. They execute on the project and it gets made. And when you, you hear that kind of thing happening, I love that it's as, is, it is as successful as it it is because I think that's a great way to do business. And I think, you know, there's so many gate, gatekeepers out there when you're trying to get projects made that will tell you no, that it's nice to see them execute on what they wanted to do and have it be good. Yeah. And, and again, for me, it's just that little thing. There's very few things I like more as a fan than to be pleasantly surprised by something. Yep, absolutely. And, and this came out of nowhere, kind of out of left field for me. I wasn't expecting much out of it. And uh, it really hits it. Again, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the animation style. I, th I don't think the animation looks top shelf. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, which is fine. But you get what you pay for. I mean, animation's expensive and time consuming. You get what you pay for. And on top of that, look, ultimately, it's about the story and the characters and the dialogue and all that kind of stuff. Animate, don't get me wrong. It's better animation than I could ever do in my life. But I mean, it's just not top shelf, but that's okay. This is a show that works. So guys, listen, if you haven't checked out, you don't have to be a Dungeons and Dragons player. You don't have to be a role player. If you haven't had a chance to check out, it's on Amazon, by the way. If you haven't had a chance to check out this Legend of Vox Machina, I do recommend giving it a shot. And it's like, they're, they're fairly short episodes. Like they're not 50 minutes long or anything like that. So go check out a couple of episodes. It's not, not going to take a lot of your time. And if it works for you, awesome. If it doesn't, no big deal. But I would say check it out if you get a chance. And for me, it's a thumbs up. I mean, again, not on the same level as Arcane or anything like that. But this is a fun little show that I actually quite enjoy. And I can't wait for the next episode. Anyway, guys, what about you? Have you had a chance to see The Legend of Vox Machina on Amazon? If so, what did you think? Did you like it like me? Maybe it didn't work for you. Maybe you thought it was the greatest thing ever. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's now move on to our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campia Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Alan Renshaw, who writes, I just saw the Halo trailer. Yeah. And this series <laughs> looks amazing. It looks like a great piece of high concept sci-fi and they gave it a proper budget. What are your thoughts on the trailer? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, listen, I'm sitting down trying to watch the, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs versus Cincinnati Bengals game and all race like when's the Halo trailer halftime, Ray? Uh, what minute in halftime? Not sure, Ray. <laughs> We're going to get there. And, and Ray was very excited. This is how excited Ray was for this thing. I mean, he was talking as much about this Halo trailer as he was about the game itself. No, I and wasn't so talking much about the game at that moment. I thought we were <laughs> getting run over. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it was 21 <laughs> it to 3. Was, <laughs> I had to put all that energy into this trailer because it couldn't go anywhere else. I had nothing to say about the you game. Had, you had to have something to look forward to because you weren't enjoying the game at the time. But... 
Uh, I tell you what, they put out the first. What was it during the video game awards? Is yeah, that what the first it was like a, a ten seconds of a yeah. waste of time of the whole three hours I waited for. So they put out that that Halo spot, and I'm gonna tell you what, it, it looked cheap. I, I I wasn't all that impressed with it. Right. I, I thought it looked like it was it was a CW. It looked like a CW show. It looked like small budget, shot on a CW set. I'm like, nah. The new trailer came out yesterday. I'll tell you what. I liked what I saw. I did. I liked what I saw. Anyway, this comes just from the folks over at IGN to write the following. In the trailer, which you can see below, we're not on the website, obviously, we catch a glimpse of not only Pablo Schreiber's Master Chief, but also our best look yet at the show's version of Jen Taylor's Cortana. Additionally, uh, we see many of the Covenant enemies Chief and friends will be facing off against, including the Elites, Brutes, Jackals, and more. And hell no, I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce the names of them in the game there. So the trailer came out. Now look, one bit of criticism about the trailer. Still have no idea what this is about. I have no idea what's like. It's just it's really just a bunch of random shots of, ooh, Master Chief, ooh, running with guns, ooh. And that's fine. It's it's really the first legitimate trailer, and I think that's okay. But I'm I'm still as a viewer, I don't really know. I've been reading a lot of fans online talking about how is this a, an amalgamation of the different storylines in the game? This is kind of taking liberties with some things. Blah blah. So, so even the, the hardcore fans aren't really sure, okay, what's our main narrative going to be? But other than that little teaser during the Video Game Awards, this is really the first trailer, and that's okay. And we got our release dates coming in March, which is great. Now, that aside, it looked like the production value is looks much better than it did in that first teaser. I thought the action looked pretty good. The creatures looked pretty damn good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seeing the warthog and all that kind of stuff, and I got to tell you... I. The first little thing, I'm like, yeah, this trail, I'm like, I'm looking forward to seeing this show. I am making a bed in your guest room because <laughs> I don't have Paramount. There is a bed you in my do, guest room. <laughs> but you do. Yes, I do. <laughs> and I will be here no matter what day it is. I'm watching this. Really, Halos, if if there's so much uh, books and things like that, I don't get into it. I just know the gist of the game. It's Master Chief trying to save humanity from these... Uh, alien uh, this this group of uh mixed alien races that have a religious uh you know cause behind them wanting to to uh get rid of humanity and master chief is pretty much the only thing that could stand up to these guys with his armor with the spartan training whatever and there's also drama with that because they stole kids when they were young to create these super soldiers so there's a little you know there's a little dilemma within the soldiers themselves was this right should they have done this to us? But at the same time, they're protecting. They're trying to save the what's world. left. What's left of humanity against these these creatures that believe that uh, they're right? You know, so it's a uh, that's that's basically what it is. Depending on how far they go into the books, I don't know. I only get I only understand enough for me to like keep watching things or keep playing things. I don't get into into deep with those things. So well, all know. that really matters right now, though. The only thing that matters right now is, what do you think of the trailer? Did it, you like it? It was, you... it was, it's great. Like, I, it gives me high hopes for hopefully the Godzilla series. Like, we'll start seeing like, you know, th them not skimp out on. If you're gonna get a big property like Halo, Godzilla, I expect money to be thrown in there. Right. Just because you know, if this is your tentpole series for your streaming platform, which Paramount doesn't really have anything right right now. 
as they're like, oh, this is, we have. Yeah, Paramount Home has nothing. Halo. They have Home nothing. Movie. Yeah. They have nothing that's worth watching. They, they no, 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 no. I'm kidding. As in TV series. What, oh, yeah. what do they have? Oh, oh, they have Yellowstone. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> Okay. Well, th yeah, but that's not even Paramount Plus. But they have Yellowstone. They have 1883. They have all the South Park. There's stuff. this old venerable franchise that's been around for 56 years. They have starts, but, you know. Star Trek. Oh, oh my God! I'm nah. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe it's just because it's been nothing. no. They should be sorry yeah. for the Star Trek of the last Star Trek years. stuff. They could be home great. to both. You know, we could be friends, dude. Halo is gonna smoke Star Trek. Paramount Plus is gonna look at Halo and go, oh. Here's where we should be putting our money. And I mean, look, I, I agree with you. I like this trailer, John. I thought, you know, Halo has always struck me as I remember playing the first Halo. And and, uh, you know, to me, it's an amalgamation of various whether it's Ender's Game, whether it's Starship Troopers. I liked it. I mean, the sci fi world that they build out. It's very familiar from in terms of anyone who's read a lot of literary sci fi. But it was a great game. It was a great game. And this trailer it looks really good. Like you said, after seeing things like Foundation for on Apple, which yeah. has spent a lot of money, you can't do sci-fi like this and skimp. And like you said, this looks really good. I mean, the creature design is very cool. The the character designs right out of the game. I mean, Master Chief looks just like Master Chief. And uh, now I want to see a Metroid series done just like oh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Um, but it looks great. I got a question I mean, though. I got a question. It's kind of a two-parter. And really, you guys got to understand how big of an Xbox guy Ray is. Like, I've explained this before, but Ray literally comes over to my house with this jerry-rigged, it's a it's a little Xbox that he has put a monitor on, <laughs> and it's like a laptop. So it's an Xbox that likes a laptop. He can open up the monitor so he can take this. He brings it over to my house and sits there and plays Xbox. You know when I busted it table. out? is when it was 21 to 3. I said, <laughs> I, I took that thing out of the bag and I said, it looks like it's going to be a long day, boys. Wait, is this an Xbox One? It's a, it's, it's the newer one, but the smaller one, the Series S. Oh, okay. It's yeah, he small. literally, he's got a monitor attached to it that he can flip up and play wherever he goes. But here's the question, all right? Two-parter. Number one, are we going to see Master Chief take his helmet off? Number two, if he does... Are people going to be upset by that? Because you, there's there's two different ways of looking at this. Because if you go back to uh, Judge Dredd with Carl Urban, right? Kept the mask on. Now, granted, you could still see part of his face, but he kept the mask on the entire movie. Then we've seen other things. We've been seeing a lot of, you know, Boba Fett without the helmet on and whatever and all that kind of stuff. But do you think we're going to see him take his helmet off? And if so, is that okay with you? Nobody? No, I, I'll, tell, I'll say this right now. They're going to show either part or all of his face right in the beginning. Think right so? in the beginning. I think so. Just so people can know that he's human. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, I, I, I think you're right about that. Yeah, like right at the beginning, you know how they have that shot with him on that table with the scars on his back? Yeah. I think we see it right in the beginning, just so we could put a face to the mask. You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree with that. I, um, but I more importantly, what does uh, Superman think? Yeah, what does Superman think? Actually, you know what, guys? I'm putting up in the live chat right now, I'm putting up a poll. So I want to ask you guys in there, the, the poll is up there right now. Should we see Master Chief without the helmet on? And like, what was the second part of that? Well, I mean, the first part of the question was, will we see him without the helmet on? Second part is, how do you think people will respond to it if oh, they yeah. do? So what do you, do you think people are going to be okay with it if he takes the helmet off, Rob? Yeah, because somebody's got to play him. You know, at some point, you, you do want to have a connection to the character. It's just like, you know, you can't, it's... Spider-Man is a better character if you know that P who, the Peter Parker that's under the mask. 
you know, I think that's always true. I mean, Master Chief, unless there's some kind of religious significance, like the Mandalorians yeah, are like, no. you can't. No, I think that there's no no problem with. Plus, with... It, also, it also shows vulnerability in the character. Like, even though he has uh, he has all this armor, he's taking orders, you know, he's still a human. You I know, don't know. It, it, here's funny. I expected, I'll be straight up, I expected this poll to be like, should we see Master Chief without the helmet? I expected it to be like 80 to 90% no, but it's pretty split right now. 52% say no, 48% say yes. But if you ask me, I would prefer to keep the helmet on. I like robots. I like to think he's a robot. You like to think of him as a droid yeah, of some kind? I like to think of him as a robot. Like, because then, Isn't it better to think of him as a man, though? But then you start nitpicking like, oh, man, he doesn't look right. That's not how the Master Chief... I thought he would look like that's true. That's the problem. People make well, it up in their we've heads. We've been playing this game for how many? Six games without oh, really seeing his face. It's been what twenty years? Yeah, yeah. So it's like I mean, they showed his face in some of like the some of the releases of whatever, and it's been fine. But what if this actor's like, that's not my Master Chief? And everybody's and everybody's head is going to be different. It's what when Master Chief looks like is going to be different. Everybody's head. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What did you think about this trailer for Halo? I was actually pretty impressed by it. I'm looking forward it to seeing the show. Do you think it's going to be good? Do you have high hopes? Do you have no hopes? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Eric Huffman. And Eric Huffman writes, Hey, John and crew. I just saw that Spider-Man No Way Home has won the weekend box office again and has now passed $1.7 billion worldwide. Does the success of this film, as well as that of F9 and Venom 2, prove that studios should never entertain any day-and-date release for tentpole films? Thanks, and stay sweaty, my friends. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And uh, ho-hum, another day, another set of milestones that Spider-Man No Way Home is, has passed. Uh, number one, it is again number one at the box office. Not that it had much competition this weekend. Uh, it won't be number one next weekend. That That's a foregone conclusion. But it was number one at the box office this weekend. Again, I think it made like 11 or 12 million bucks to be number one again for its six week. You not say that like a it's row. a paltry sum. Oh, no. <laughs> a paltry sum. But for a number one film at the box office, it's right. not the biggest, no. right? But... You know, on top of all that, it has crossed the 1 billion mark worldwide, making it only the 10th film in cinematic history. You mean foreign, uh, in, not worldwide, in foreign. Sorry, sorry, thank you. Uh, uh, internationally. That's international. Right. So there's domestic, there's internationally, combined, that's worldwide. It has crossed the $1 billion mark internationally. Yes. Which makes it only the 10th film in cinematic history to do. That's impressive. It is also inching ever closer to the Avatar domestic number, which it very well could cross within the next 10 days or so. Now, look, Spider-Man No Way Home has absolutely done better than I thought it would. I mean, it's done better than I think most people thought it would do, except for those crazy people who thought it was going to hit $3 billion or whatever. But, I mean, look, we knew it was going to be big. We knew it was going to be huge. But every week, it's like we're talking about a new milestone that it gets to set and cross. Now, again, it's never going to catch the domestic record of, Star Wars, um, The Force Awakens, which is like nine hundred plus million dollars. It's it's not going to do that. It's not going to catch Endgame or Infinity War or whatever for worldwide. 
but again, more and more numbers that it hits. And the longevity of it is crazy because we are now sitting, this movie's been out for over a month. All right. This movie has actually been out for about six weeks. And it's still pulling in like 11, 12 million dollars a weekend at the box office and still number one. I think we now need to start changing and rephrasing the questions about, you know, we ask, what is it about Spider-Man that has made it be so successful? I think now we got to rephrase the question a little bit of what is it about Spider-Man No Way Home that is giving it the longevity that it has? Because people continue to listen. We live in a, in a movie going era now. And we have for the last three or four years where people see the movies in the first week and generally don't go watch it again, maybe one or two times more. People are going back for their fifth, sixth, seventh time of going to the movies. And so we ask the question, what is it that has been so endearing about it that has given it this kind of legs and this kind of longevity? It's not just quality. We've seen higher quality movies not have as good legs. There's an element to this. To me, I think it's all about the three Spider-Men. I think it's just that story, again, that the idea of three generations of movie fans with three generations of Spider-Men and there's a, so there's a nostalgia kick to that. That might be bringing people back more and more. Rob, let me ask you this question. You see this, like it's number one at the box office again, not, not a ton of question, competition, but still making the money that it is. What is it about this film that is giving it specifically the legs and having people going back to it again and again? Well, I think, you know, you're, you're partially right in that, yeah, the Spider-Man coming together, the villains coming together, all of that absolutely plays into this. But that might not have worked. I think the real reason this movie has succeeded is it because it's because it evokes an emotional response in the audience on multiple occasions. If you love the MCU, this film, it's not just when you see Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock show up. You get a kick there if you're a fan of this universe. You are you you. This movie has tragedy in it. It has comedy in it. It has nostalgia in it. It has a cool factor in it and a and a whoa! I can't believe they did that. This film takes you on an emotional journey that you feel. And I think the reason we go to movies is we hope that we have a feeling, an emotional response. I mean, we're so used to watching this stuff and it's fine, you know, we like it, but we don't feel it like we want to. And I remember, you know, when we were growing up in the 80s, man, and you were seeing all the, whether it was Back to the Future or whether it was Empire Strikes Back or pick your movie, you you felt these movies and you you left the theater on a high, elated, like, my God, this, this really transported me and took me to a place I didn't expect to go to or the first time you saw the Brachiosaur eat the leaves in Jurassic Park. And, and this movie provides what we always hope to get, a genuine emotional response. And this, this movie gives it to you multiple times throughout. And not a lot of movies can do that. Well, I've, I've said forever, the what are movies? Movies are experiential events. And it, it's, it's all types of experiences, whether it's fear or thrills or laughter or excitement or nostalgia or regret or dreaming or whatever. And the movies that do the best are the ones that deliver the experience that they're promising. Yep. Spider-Man No Way Home delivers an experience you walk out of that theater. throughout not yeah just th like throughout it, the yeah. film it doesn't just give you a climax it gives you these jolts throughout the whole movie 
yep. that you're not expecting. And, and it's done something else too, because I think I think it would be neat to go over and take a look at this for a second. When you look at the weekend box office this weekend, obviously right up there at the top is Spider-Man No Way Home, made $11 million. But Spider-Man No Way Home, we talked about this before. It was not just a big movie and not just a great movie and all that kind of stuff. It's the movie that for a lot of people represented their first movie going back to the movie theater since the pandemic yep. started. A lot of people, it was their first time back. And when you look at a couple of these other movies, Scream, Scream, franchise I don't even like that much, made for like $20 million. It is sitting right now at like uh, over $106 million worldwide. $106 million worldwide for that little film. Sing 2, $267 million worldwide. Now, are we right back to the pre-pandemic era of box office? No, we're not there yet. But these are the types of numbers that I think partially you owe to Spider-Man No Way Home being that movie that brought a lot of people out. Things. So there's a significance to this movie as well. Um, I got to say, like, even right now, I've only watched it once. When we left Scream, when we left Moonfall, the first thing I said is, Man, I still want to watch No Way Home one more time in the theater. Right. It's just one of those movies, like like Rob was saying, I completely agree. I leave just happy. It's like all the Spider-Man movies, it's all like the culmination, you know, it's like the, the thing where all three of them come together. I never thought I would see the day. Um, and also, like, I go to the movies to be entertained. Me, I like watching happy feel good, whatever yeah. movies. And then, you know, some like good time horror. The the thought provoking, like, you know, sad, emotional, traumatizing movies, I save for the house. I, li <laughs> I, I, I refuse to go to see those in the theater because that's more of like an intimate movie to me, right? It's a different experience than yeah. you like going for. So in theaters, like Spider-Man, it's the, the most perfect movie for me to actually go to in theater and see. That's like the, the type of movie that I wanna see. So let's look at this too. Let's put this into context. We're now looking at the worldwide chart here and, and the, the all-time worldwide chart. So again, Spider-Man now is at 1.74. We're rounding it up at $1.74 billion, which was already in the number six spot. But I think it, it's pretty clear that unless something drastic changes, I don't think we're going to see it make another $300 million to catch Inve Avengers Infinity War. This in the number five spot. Number four, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Number three, Titanic. Number two, Endgame. Number one, Avatar. I don't think we're going to see it change in spot again, but again, just wrapping our heads around the idea. Will, will James Cameron be preparing to re-release Avatar once again? Well, it's already in the number one spot, so he doesn't have to. We're going to be he's focused on uh, Avatar 2 right now. You know, one of the things I've always thought about movies too is that we now live in this world where people believe that spectacle is important. Well, we have to give you these various action scenes. But I would posit that take your favorite movie, whatever it is, every scene in your favorite movie is a good scene. And it's it, it, the scenes might be different than one another, but I, I think about movies like Shawshank Redemption or Jaws or even Back to the Future. Every scene itself is entertaining. Even the opening of Back to the Future, you see all the clocks, and then Marty McFly walks in and plugs his guitar in, and a giant speaker blows him through the back wall of, the, of Doc's place. Even that scene alone is fun. And when you watch Back to the Future and your favorite movies, there are collections of scenes that deliver the goods every single five minutes or whatever. And we don't get that much anymore. 
You might watch a movie for two hours and you might only really love what's going on for about 10 minutes of it. And even that is okay, I suppose. But when you see a film that delivers through its two and a half hour running time, that's unique. And that's providing, it's not just a fun experience, but for the entire length of the movie. And it's, and it's not just the action films that do that. I remember a, a movie like that for me was Colin Firth's King's Speech. Now, you you know how much I love this movie, yep. but King's Speech is an example of that, like you were just describing. It is every single freaking scene had me mesmerized. Yeah. And action films can do that. Horror films can do that. Period drama pieces can do that in their own unique way. But man, when it does that, when a movie comes out that can do that for you, that's a special experience. I, you, you know what? The King's Speech is a great example because most people wouldn't use that. But you're right. That movie is delicious throughout. Yeah. Uh, two other examples. People talk about, well, Shakespeare in Love should never have been voted best picture over Saving it's Private awesome. Ryan. That movie's Shakespeare awesome. Shakespeare in Love is an awesomely entertaining entertaining film, just like Amadeus is. But Shawshank Redemption, it's about guys in prison. Oh, well, then yes. But every scene in that movie is just every scene. Every scene's iconic. Every scene. You can quote every single scene in that movie. Yeah. I mean, when Gil Bellows shows, up it suddenly becomes this rock and roll we loved him immediately you know and suddenly in that whole movie and i feel that that art is sort of missing from movies now i don't know why but you know anyway guys the question is for you what do you think about this spider-man no way home continues to set new box office standards it's now like one of the only 10 films to cross a billion dollars internationally it's at 1.74 it's been number one for six weeks not in a row but number one for six weeks at the box office it just continues to do really well what do you guys attribute to the long legs we understand the movie's great but what do you contribute the attribute the long legs that it's been having? Maybe it's lack of competition. Maybe it's just that we just yearn to go back and experience it again. Whatever you guys are feeling, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Thomas. And Thomas writes, Hey everyone. There's a report going around that sequel that a sequel to Joker is currently in development. Even though that movie stood great on its own, I think this could be good. Joaquin Phoenix doesn't choose his projects lightly, so there could be something interesting here. What do y'all think? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Thomas. And yeah, look, Joker is a movie that all of us have been talking a lot about ever since the damn thing came out, even long before it came out. I remember... We were at Comic-Con, I believe, when news came out that they were doing this movie. And specifically, that it was going to be a standalone film. And I was so psyched. Because I've been, I've been begging for years for comic book movies to start putting out standalone, not a part of a shared cinematic universe movies again. Not that I don't like shared cinematic universe. I do. But why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't we have both? The comics do both. The comics have individual isolated stories and their overall story arcs at the same time. Why can't movies? Why does everything have to be connected to everything else? And so when they announced that they were going to be doing a standalone Joker movie, I was psyched. And of course, then came the chorus. A Joker movie can't work without Batman. No one's going to watch a movie without Batman. And I, I love Batman. It's like, yeah, well, no one's going to care about this movie if it's not connected to the DCEU. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> Movie came out, made over a billion dollars, was awesome, 
nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and won Joaquin Phoenix an Academy Award. First comic book movie ever for the lead guy to win Best Actor at the Academy Award. Of course, uh, Heath Ledger won Best Supporting Actor playing the same role uh, years earlier. But this movie is special. And I remember we watched it together. Yes, we did. You know, you, me, uh, Aaron wasn't there. No, Aaron, no, Aaron wasn't Elizabeth there, but Aaron's came. husband was. Yeah, Aaron's Tom did. Aaron, Aaron's husband was there. Elizabeth came. Anne was there. We went to go watch Joker. And I remember when we came out of that theater, we were just like, what did we just watch? Like, that was such a, an intimate, human, societal-level inspection framed in this beautiful veneer that was just all I couldn't stop thinking about the movie for days. And then I watched it again and then I watched it again. And of course, the performances are absolutely powerful and fantastic and wonderful. And truly, you do get a sense of that isolation. This movie is isolated. This is a one shot. And everybody accepted that and loved it. But then it made a billion dollars. And then it got Academy Award nominations and won Academy Awards. And suddenly the conversation changed to what an awesome, magnificent standalone movie to... When's the damn sequel coming? And even me, the guy who's like, leave it alone. It was a one-shot story. Don't go anywhere with it. Even I had to say, yeah, I believe that. But if I'm a WB executive, I'm putting the wheels in motion right away for a sequel. Of course you are. And so there's been a lot of talk, a lot of back and forth about all these reports saying, oh, they are going to do it. And then nothing. Oh, no, no, they're going to do one. And then nothing. And then nothing, and then nothing, and nothing. Well, now there's a report coming out saying that they've already turned in the first draft of the script. Now, it doesn't come from us, from Variety or anything, but a, but a fairly decent site. And um, the folks over at Heroic Hollywood who wrote the following. According to an insider with knowledge of the Joker sequel, Warner Brothers has officially received the first draft of its script, and the film will begin shooting sometime in 2023. Plot details are being kept in a cell at Arkham Asylum. The Joker hasn't shown up on the big screen since Joaquin Phoenix film, but he has made a number of smaller scale appearances, namely with Jared Leto reprising his role of the crown prince of crime in Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. The character is heavily rumored to make an appearance in Robert Pattinson's The Batman, so it's safe to say that the Joker hype isn't dying down anytime soon. All right, so number one. We're not Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is not showing up in the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. <laughs> I, I don't know why anybody believes he would. Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. But that just doesn't age wise. That just doesn't work. That just doesn't because you got to remember Bruce Wayne is the little boy. I mean, you've got Catwoman, yeah. Riddler, and Joke. I mean, a uh, 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 Penguin uh, of the three of the four. Do you need? Do we need Joker? No, no, we don't need Joker. I mean, maybe, he's a, but, you know. And and I don't think a lot of people are expecting, if they do do a Joker 2, Bob is saying, well, now you got to bring in Batman. Batman's going to be 11 years old in, in whatever yeah, this next I, one is. So, no, listen, the first Joker worked beautifully, partially because there was no Batman. We've already got three Batman we're going to see on screen this year. Three. Or in the next, within the next year or so. We got, obviously, we're going to see Ben's one last time. We're going to see Michael Keaton's, and we're going to see Robert Pattinson's. We don't need a fourth. So I, I don't think that's the case at all, nor do I think a Joker 2 needs a Batman. But that brings up the question, if this report is true, and we don't know that it's true, but if it is true, and that's a big if, what's the story going to be? Because this Joker has was very unique 
it was very uniquely his own. It was Joaquin Phoenix's own Joker. So what kind of story does he really truly become a homicidal maniac? Maybe, maybe we see him go one step further and one step further and one step, maybe whereas the first Joker was this kind of descent into madness where he kind of adopts the Joker persona. Maybe the next one is about now going the journey from that to becoming the homicidal maniac that we all know and love, so, so to speak. So I don't know, maybe that could be the story. Does it take the same kind of step back, third person worldview of looking at our society and how we we as a society ad adapt and address certain types of issues that Joker brought up so prominently in the first one and so beautifully? Does it become a little bit more comic booky? If they go to a second round, do they try to adapt it a bit and become a little bit more comic booky and a little bit less grounded in real world grit? I mean, I think the, the doors are wide open here, Rob. Number one, do you think they're actually going to go through and make a Joker 2? For me, I think it's an inevitability just because it made a billion dollars and won awards. So do you think they're going to do it? Then number two, if so, what do you think the direction is they're going to take with it? Well, I think they're absolutely, as you pointed out, why would you know? How many movies make a billion dollars on a $65 million spend? Like, not many. <laughs> so this is also one of the most profitable studio movies ever made. So why not do another one? There's no, I, I see no downside. And in terms of what it's about, I mean, all you have to do is look at our own society, look at the fractures in, in American society. I used to believe that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights would sort of unite us all as Americans. Well, that's not even enough anymore. We have such deep divides. I mean, look at what's going on in the United States over the last decade. That alone gives you so much fodder. I mean, imagine what's happening in, in America today, happening in one man's mind or one man's fractured mind. I mean, my God, the, 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 story, the stories are rich that could come out of that. And Joker, maybe he has a messianic complex and wants to lead a group of people. He wants to start a Joker cult or maybe who knows what he's going to do. I mean, it could be amazing, but there's a million different ways they could go, especially from the first film. So, John, I, I just see the storylines could be I could see a Joker movie expand the same way that the Dark Knight expanded on Batman Begins. And I think a sequel to Joker has the potential to be better than the first film, to be honest. Really? To be better than the first one? Yeah. That's that's saying something. That's 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 not easy. But I think the way that the movie worked, that where you can take the character now, um, uh, especially in light of what's gone on in America, there's a lot of material that's it's dramatic gold to be mined or panned or however you do it. But yes. All right, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this whole thing with Joker? Do you think do you think they're going to actually move ahead and do it? Do you think they're going to be able to kind of recapture that magic? What do you think the storyline should be? Do you for some reason think it needs to have Batman in it? I mean, I don't know. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that all said let's now take a second and pay a couple of bills here shall we and hear from our friends over at stamps.com hey guys we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode stamps.com now you know stamps.com they've been supporting the john campus show for a while here now let's face it Going to the post office is time consuming and really not the way you want to be spending your time. And that's why I highly recommend to do your mailing and shipping online with stamps.com. 
Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters, ship packages, and you can pay a lot less with discounted rates from UPS, uh, USPS, and more. You see, that's why Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out your orders, whether you're somebody who's just trying to send things out to your friends and family, or if you're a giant warehouse, like sending out thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle all of it with absolute ease. And here's the best thing. With Stamps.com, you get up to 40% off of post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. And this is why Stamps.com is an absolute no-brainer. It saves you time. It saves you money. It's no wonder that nearly 1 million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop wasting your time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promo code Campia, just go up to that microphone up in the corner, click on that and enter my code Campia, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts needed. Again, just go to stamps.com, click on that microphone at the top and enter the promo code Campia. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. All right, and we want to thank stamps.com for supporting our channel. Remember guys, Make sure you use that promo code CAMPIA. Not only does it help out the sponsor of today's shows, it helps out the John Campia show as well. So thank you to Stamps.com. Okay, guys. With that down, let's now move over and start taking your live comments and questions you get sent, sent in. You'll notice that it's not available anymore. I have to turn it off after about 15 or 20 minutes. So you got to get them in a little bit early. But let's jump on over and start taking those questions, shall we? We're going to start off here with... Who are we starting off here with? We are supposed to be starting with... Hold a second. For whatever reason, I got the wrong thing up. There we go. B. Gill. Uh, B. Gill writes, or B. Gill still writes in. Hey guys, I still don't know if you know. I still don't know if you know, but it looks like Dylan O'Brien may be cast or at least offered the role of Nightwing in the Batgirl movie. But yeah, there's been whispers of that going around. That has not been reported by or affirmed by any legitimate, uh, like any of the real legitimate news sources out there. Who, who is that again? Was he the Maze Runner guy? He's a, he's the Maze Runner yep. guy, and on top of Maze Runner. Uh, he was just in that. What was that monsters movie? Just uh, World of Monsters, Monster War. What? He's he's. Oh yeah. There's uh, like some kind of monster, monster hunter. What's monster that? hunter. Yeah. The monster mo hunter. Was it called? Was it called monster? That one was hunter? with uh, the Resident, Yeah. The yeah. Resident Evil girl was. In That's yeah. not. I don't think Love and Monsters. Thank you, Casey oh. Mack. Love and Monsters. Where like there's this monster apocalypse in the world, and he goes on this trek to find find his love and all that kind of stuff. Actually, pretty really. Good. I liked it. I I like him. I do too. But and, so would he be all right as a Nightwing? Sure. But again, that this there's no legitimate reports about that. So it might happen. I'm just saying, don't get uh, don't get attached to that idea just quite yet. All right. A Marcellus writes: Since Mandalorian and Boba Fett are five plus years after Return of the Jedi, that still leaves 25 years of untold stories until the sequel trilogy. Do you think they might try a new type of Thrawn trilogy like story? No. I think they're they are totally redoing Thrawn and the Thrawn they've had in Rebels and I'm looking forward to seeing the Thrawn they have in Ahsoka man. I am very excited to see that. Are they going to do that? No. And, and quite frankly, uh, I want the Star Wars stories to move forward after the sequel trilogy. Like not with Rey, Finn and Poe again, but like in the universe of Star Wars post that, I'm kind of over the the middling stuff, but 
I am looking forward to Obi-Wan. I'm looking forward to Ahsoka. I'm looking forward to the Acolyte, whenever that's going to be. But uh, I don't think they're going to re try redoing Thrawn. Uh, you never know, though. B. Gill also writes, I also wanted to let you know that I'm 27 and my 10th film, Sparrow, released uh, releases on February 18th. Uh, the trailer hit... The trailer for it hit 1,000 views within five days of release. Just FYI. That's awesome, man. You make your own films like that. You go and do that. That's awesome, man. All right. Casey Mack writes, John, uh, what is the chances that we see a Peacemaker season two? I know James Gunn might be busy with Guardians three, uh, but after that, there's a chance he could go back to that since it's getting a good reception. Well, yeah, but remember, he's already shooting uh, Guardians three. I mean, that, that's already being done. It's not like, oh, I, once this is done, then he's got to go and start. He's going to be done and wrapped up with Guardians in the next number of months, I think. I, listen, we talked the other day, Rob, about this hit the number one show in the world status. People are loving this show. I, I lose my mind. I mean, literally, I now count down the days until the next episode of Peacemaker. I love this show so much. The success they're having... I can't imagine there's not going to be a season two. Can you yeah. like, are they going to do one? I think so. You know, and didn't they say he's going to develop yet another spinoff show too? He's talking about it. Another so yeah, but Peacemaker's great. So why wouldn't they? Yeah. I it's all about agree. the numbers, man. And people are watching. I agree. Uh, okay. Next up. Uh, John Record writes, uh, Black Widow made $379 million on a $200 million budget. Is it fair to call... Uh, call it the first MCU flop. And do you think there will be a Black Widow 2? I don't think they ever even thought about doing a Black Widow 2. That was that that was a one and done thing. But no, you can't consider it its first flop because Black Widow had a very unique set of circumstances and that it was released day and date in theaters in uh, uh, on Disney Plus as well that people had to pay for. So you got to take that $375 million and add whatever underwhelming amount of money they made on Disney Plus as well, and add to that, Black Widow was was ended up being profitable. It would have been more profitable if it had a theatrical exclusive release, but it did end up being profitable. John Redcorn also writes, uh, also, boy, did the Royal Rumble suck hard this year. Oh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I only watched, because I was also watching Bellator, because I don't usually watch Bellator, but Ryan Bader... Oh, was he was on? The I didn't even know uh, Bellator was on this weekend. Yeah, he and he was defending the heavyweight title. Against? Um, oh, one of uh, Fedor Emelianenko's uh, protégés. Oh, okay. Uh, so I can't remember the... Cat. Um, but anyway, uh, Bader won. So the only match Ann and I saw was the Women's Royal Rumble. Which was great. Which was great. I don't I, watch a lot of wrestling these days, but the Women's <laughs> Royal Rumble was great. Two things. I'm sad that Alexa Bliss wasn't a part of the Rumble, and I thought Bailey would show up too. But other than that, it was a good Rumble. I'll tell you what, Ronda Rousey came out. Yep. She didn't miss a beat. No. She looked great to me. No, so yeah, she I did. Mean, but I, I don't even know who won the men's Royal Rumble. It's Brock Lesnar. I was just reading about it. Because I, I, Brock won the I purposely skipped the men's. Just because after the women's and then after the title match, Bobby Lashley and uh, Brock Lesnar, I just said, no, nah, I'm going to. Because there wasn't there wasn't anyone in the Rumble where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what this guy does. But Brock came out. and, and I heard, Yeah, Brock came out at number 30 from what I'm reading. And he just destroyed everyone, threw everyone out. It was I would have liked to have seen him that. Him and Drew McIntyre at the end. And of course, which is the better match at WrestleMania? You already knew. Yeah. I hate when there's not a second guy that you actually can think can, you know, be the winner. When, of Edge, it. when Edge came out and won it, that right. to me was kind of surprising. Yeah. That was you surprising. Know, uh, so, All right. Yeah. So that's what happened. Okay. Next up. Casey Mack writes, it's really amazing to see what I did there that no way home. Let me see. Is 
Is it really amazing? Uh, see what I did there? But guys, punctuation is our friend. Uh, uh, is it really amazing? Comma. See what I did there? That No Way Home is only $25 million away from passing Avatar as the third domestic movie in the box office. It is. I wouldn't have thought it would catch Avatar, but I'm thinking probably within the next 10 days. I mean, if it made 11 or 12 this weekend, next weekend is probably going to make seven, maybe seven. But I, I think it's going to catch Avatar at this point. Uh, a. Marcellus writes, uh, also, I'm wondering what happened. Where do we, what happens to Jason Sindula, the son of Canaan and Hera? I hope he doesn't end up at Luke's temple only to die. I hope he does. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, honestly, I hope he does because that would be consistent narratively. That would add because right now we hear all the students at Luke's Jedi Temple died, but we don't know any of them, so we don't give a shit. Right. Right. It would actually give us some emotional connection to it for like. Oh my God! Well, wouldn't it Harris have been nice to have seen there? that, like seeing Luke training Jedi? And we may. hope, yeah, we may. We may at some point, but yeah, I, I hope he does die there because that gives it emotional weight. But that's just me. All right, uh, Casey writes. I know it's a Netflix film, and we know how well those how well those guys. But the latest trailer for Texas Chainsaw Massacre looked interesting. We have to see. I'll be honest. I didn't even watch it because I wasn't interested. But Rob. You have some connection to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What do you think about the trailer? Well, you know, I, I the first movie I ever worked on was Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and that was not the one with Renee Zellweger and, and, and Matthew McConaughey. That was the one with, with uh, Viggo Mortensen. But, uh, you know, John, they keep... I feel like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the fetch of horror franchises. They keep trying to make it happen. And I, <laughs> I, I, I just... I, 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 I just don't think... You know, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a brilliant horrifying brutal really disturbing movie and they keep trying to ch turn leatherface into the same kind of character that freddy krueger or jason Voorhees, take your pick is and it's not that it is inherently an unpleasant experience about a cannibal family and they keep trying to make it fun i will say this the trailer it it looks fine i'm like okay it's same thing you'd always think it was going to be however the last scene in the trailer, I chuckled, even though it's totally not what Texas Chainsaw is. It was hilarious. And I'm not going to say what it is. You just got to see it. But I'm looking at this going, by the way, that final scene is wildly not a Texas Chainsaw tone of a, of a film. But, you know, they keep trying. Keep right. trying. Next up, we've got uh, Jabin Carter who writes, someone needs to Photoshop Robbie Gould. Uh, it irreverently kicking field goals at different events like Oscar ceremony, presidential nominations. I mean, that's the, that's the 49ers field goal kicker, right? No, what they knew they need to do is get uh, the freaking Kansas city or the uh, Cincinnati Bengals field goal kicker. That dude is like perfect. McPherson baby. He's, He's literally perfect. Was he 11 for 11? Yeah, now? and he literally looks 11 years old, too. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's like, this is baby kicking field goals But now? he's like nailing like 50-plus yards. Yeah, man. Like, it's nothing. <laughs> Under the pressure, that's the kind of kicker you want. Yeah. yeah. Not just for him, in the whole league. If All you right. can't get a touchdown, you got to get a kicker. <laughs> All right. Next up, Derek Large writes, uh, hey, John and crew, with the amount of content releasing every day between movies, TV, gaming, and books, how do you keep yourself from getting overwhelmed by all the options? Thanks and have a great day. I mean, look, here's the thing. I often tell, I get a lot of email messages from people because, you know, a lot of times stuff will come up, certain shows, whatever, say, you know, I haven't checked that out yet. And inevitably, of course, I get these emails from people who know how to do this better than I do, obviously, and write to me and say, 
John, how can you call yourself uh, whatever if you're not even watching uh, blah, 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 all the shows? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, eh, eh, go fuck yourself. I, it, it's <laughs> there are only so many hours in the day. And and putting this show to, like everybody thinks, oh, oh, we don't do any prep for this show. We just sit down in front of the camera, turn on cameras and go <laughs> like people don't understand. Dude, you give me notes much. the night before. Of course. Yeah. Well, our show notes have to go up by a certain time. They have to be fully researched, everything done out. What are what are the the quotes we're pulling? Where are we going with the stories? Well, and those got to be sent out the night before the show even comes out. And then I spend the rest of the night doing the rest of stuff in the morning. I'm going, but but for all of us as fans, there really there is so much content that we do have to pick and choose what we're going to watch. And on top of that, we have regular life. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're a husband. Maybe you're whatever. You have other jobs. You know, you you got to be you got to pick and choose what it is you're going to watch. And there is simply so much content because between Showtime, Amazon, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Peacock, um, Paramount Plus, regular network television, and all the movies, Netflix, and all the movies that come out, there's only so much time to watch. And so you got to be picking. No, I don't watch everything. Dude, I can't. I got to tell you, like this week and we finished Ozark, the seven episodes of the first half of Ozark season four. Then I also uh, watched, I'm working my way through Archive 81, which I'm very much enjoying. And I watched the first episode of All of Us Are Dead, the new Korean horror series oh, on Netflix. That one I want to watch. I want to watch that one. I've also started watching Bro. Page 11. Someone just messaged me they're watching that. Oh, it's All of Us Are Dead. <laughs> just, I'm in. After the first episode, okay, I got to watch it. And I don't know how, it's like 13 episodes long. I don't know how they're going to, maintain after the first episode i'm like well everyone's they're all dead and apparently that's why it's called all of us are dead i, I it's where do you get to the end it's of the first episode well i've started on station 11 so i, I gotta which get which is also that. great based on a great book and korea I'm, I'm, is doing some things oh, no, they're doing so much good Dude, stuff. I go to korea i want to move to korea and work in the korean film industry all right next up uh, Al Renshaw writes, love the Halo trailer and visually it looked great. It does. I mean, it, it doesn't look like it has a feature film budget, but it looks way better than that first trailer. It looks great. Put out. Yeah. Scotty H writes, so I don't know if anyone saw this, but in the new Batman theater posters, if you hold a backlight to it, there is a hidden riddles and pass and phrases type. Really? Wow. I didn't know that. I mean, I don't know how you go up into a movie theater and pull the poster down to shine a flashlight behind it. But I'm going to keep my eyes open for that. Cause that's actually pretty cool. If the they do black, that, Scotty. the black light can reveal some unsavory things. Yeah. I never want to see a black light on anything. <laughs> I what never are you want saying, to... Ray? What are you saying? John? I'm just saying the black light knows the truth about everybody, <laughs> about everybody. will know everything about you. We'll know whether to shake your hand or just wave to you. <laughs> Everything is told what right are you there. What doing with your hand there, Ray? The Come on now. Light. It's the truth. All uh, right. Everything. Okay, let's keep going here. There's a new t-shirt right there. It's got the black light reveals the truth. Okay, <laughs> next up. Okay, uh, we're at, thanks for putting that on our radar, Scotty H. Really appreciate it. I'm going to keep my eyes open for that, Scotty. John Redcorn writes, after seeing King's Man, which in my opinion was okay, box office uh, is $114 million. Do you still do a Kingsman 3, or is it time to shelve it? Uh, and are you interested in one? I have zero interest in Kingsman 3. Uh, I love the first Kingsman, but the Kingsman 2 made me go, eh, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to see Kingsman 3. Mm. 
and I'm going to keep my fingers. I love the, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that I love it. Like I did the first one, but am I have any excitement for it? No. If I'm a Stewie executive, I pull the plug on it immediately, but I think they're going to make it. And, um, we're going to keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. All right. Uh, I'm going to cheer for it for sure. Kevin Kamaki writes in, love your show, John. Thank you, Kevin. It's always nice when people just want to write in and say something nice. Thanks, dude. Uh, Al Renshaw writes, over under 15%. Uh, Chute is playing high evolutionary. Who's Chute? Is playing high evolutionary in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I have absolutely loved him in Peacemaker. Is that the guy who plays uh, Mern? Uh, uh, maybe. He, I love him. If that's oh, him. I, I love the, char- the character he plays. I love his voice. I love oh, yeah. his cadence, his delivery. It's great. And the story twist of the character is great. Chances you think we see the high evolutionary in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It's an interesting, uh, it's certainly an interesting character. I could see that happening. I mean, Adam Warlock, it's, it could be interesting. They are going in that direction, it seems yeah. like. All right, next up. Never lose your nerd rights. Go Rams, baby. A lot of L.A. people very, very happy about the Rams. Uh, Super Bowl bound against Ray and my cousin's Bengals. Looks like the Rams did retire uh, Brady and hello Chris from a fellow Texan in Dallas and obviously Chris is Chris and Logan are off finishing off their move today Chris will be back tomorrow um I mean it was it's it's gonna be terrible because like Anne has has been a big has followed the Bengals a lot too because her big brother loves the Bengals so she's kind of grown up loving the Bengals but she's an LA girl she was born in LA yeah I am LA LA too so like yeah I but said, Bengals Rob, are your team whoever whoever you know it's not going to be a, a that much of a painful loss because I, I if we lose we're losing to my sister's team and i couldn't lose yes. to anyone better than her so like Anne and you win because Anne loves the rams and she loves the chiefs so whoever wins the super bowl she's yeah. gonna be happy right we're, let's just party that day we're let's gonna have a party. big like party. we we did up some tri-tip yesterday oh yeah the tri-tip oh, it was so Broccoli, good rice pilaf oh Ooh. we ate we ate well yesterday man mm. we ate well yesterday. well if you're gonna have a party Come on by, dude. What's I'm going to bring some fish. You're going to bring fish? Bring fish. We're going to fry up some, some salmon. Capel- oh. Not fish? fry it up. Cook it over an open flame. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. All right. Let's some keep shrimp. going on here. Next some up, Chris Miner writes, uh, just watch Don't Look Up. I thought it was good, but not great. I really wish Adam McKay does uh, straight up comedies again. Hope him him and Will make up. Listen, I'm, I love seeing the evolution, the evolution of McKay. Yeah, his his film, uh, the uh, the the one with Steve Carell, the uh, the Big Short, the Big Short, uh, the Big Short is so good. I and Jeremy Strong, I love love the Big Short and and, and Christian Bale. I mean, the cast in that movie, Brad Pitt, it's so good. It's it's so great. So no, I don't want to see him just going back to straight up comedy again. I I like seeing the direction he's going, but we'll I get I didn't love Don't Look Up. I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, I didn't love it, but I still want to see him do this kind of stuff. I do. Uh, and then, then he's got that L.A. Lakers thing that coming up. series. What's it yeah, called, yeah. Ray? Showtime? Showtime. That looks great. It looks so good. It looks so good. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, Andy writes, Tom Brady is or isn't retiring. Who cares? We don't talk about Brady. No, no, no. We don't talk. about This is a little play on we don't talk about Bruno. Listen, think about this. If Tom Brady is retiring, well, that'll suck. That sucks for me. But he retires holding some records that'll never going to be touched number of playoff wins. I think they said he's got like this more playoff wins than the next three quarterbacks combined have playoff yeah. wins, seven super bowl rings, seven super bowl rings. And at age 44, if this is his last season at age 44, he retires 
at 44, leading the league in completions, yards, and touchdowns at 44 years old. Well, I, you know, he's also got to think about his health. Yep. You know, 44, is, it's an, he had an amazing run, but what a, one bad hit. You know, he's getting older, and he's still amazing, but why why risk that? You know, you've, you've Especially now become, when you got Giselle at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and he could reinvent himself and have a whole new career doing something amazing. Well, he's got his TB12 company and all yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah, here's my thing with Brady. With LeBron, with Mayweather, the boxer, I I I really didn't care for them or didn't like them at first. But you keep winning, you keep doing those things. Yeah, when all you do is you win. at least get respect, and yeah. and then it's gotten to the point where I really like Brady now. So, you know, winning winning changes people too, like people's view of you. You know what I mean? And here's so, the funny thing about him too: he don't gotta remember this. He don't need the money because he's got all the money in the world. But besides that. Remember this, Tom Brady's wife has more money than he does. Tom Brady's wife is richer than him. You don't have to do this. I've been sitting at home playing PlayStation all day. I'm, I'm retired at 28. <laughs> like if I had that. That, kind that was of a great backup plan by Brady. <laughs> great backup plan. Wonderful backup plan. All right, let's move on here. Now, Andy writes, uh, the Flash should cross over with Fast and the Furious. Call it. Fast point. <laughs> Fast point paradox. What's stronger, the speed force or family? I'm, I'm in oh for it, God. Andy. Wow. I'm in for it. You got it. That's I the love one. these realistic questions. <laughs> this one would totally work. <laughs> oh, and our friend must be very happy today. Cincinnati's five-star oh, yeah. barber. Hooray. Wow. <laughs> writes in, uh, one more to go. Hooray. Not who day. Okay. Hooray. I mean, who day Super Bowl wanted to come kick it with you guys, but tickets are out of this world. Uh, by the way, Moonfall sucks. Tell you what, Ann and I, a number of weeks ago, number of weeks ago, Ann and I looked at Super Bowl tickets, and they were about, the tickets we wanted were about 3000 bucks each. We thought about getting them and say, well, you know, this will represent the next... Instead of taking the next three vacations, we're gonna take. We'll buy ourselves Super Bowl tickets. But we should have bought them. You, sh you should have bought, bought them because the same tickets last night. We went on and looked. <laughs> the same tickets on Vivid Seats that we were going to get now that LA is in the Super oh. Bowl are going for nine thousand apiece. Of course, of course they are. And we were like, if we had invested six thousand dollars and bought those tickets, we could be selling those for eighteen thousand dollars. Or better today. yet, just knowing just go to the game. Just or better yet, just knowing the Super Bowl was in in LA and how rare they come to your city. You should have just bought the tickets at the beginning of the I season. Mean, we, but, but I didn't know if anybody like would be in the game that I didn't care about. Yeah, yeah, but then it's That's a Super lot of Bowl. money, right? Well, yeah, no, but when you think about it, it when you do Super think Bowl. about it's like if the Olympics come here, you know, I'm going to go see an event. Yeah. Like how often do, but you does it come here? you spend $3,000 to see the, the 4 by 100 meter swimming relay? Oh, well, I didn't know it cost <laughs> that much. Hell no. But that's the place we're cocky. We're talking about that kind of money. Anyway, we need to keep moving here. Right. Uh, next up. Uh, thanks for writing that in Cincinnati's five-star Bengal who was messaging Ray during the game. Oh, yesterday. like when, <laughs> when he's quiet, when he's quiet, I know I don't even have to watch the game. When he doesn't message me, I'm like, they're losing. But then as soon as I get that message, I'm like, thank God he messaged me. Something good, <laughs> something something good is happening. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Al Renshaw writes, how excited are you guys for Jackass this weekend? Very excited. I'm, I'm super excited. Got our tickets. Me and Ray are going to go watch it on Thursday. We're going to let you guys see our reaction afterwards. Ray's a little bit nervous about it. Oh, right. uh, yeah. 
Andy writes, can't believe you guys aren't even considering this. You fools. The badass video game movie that The Rock was talking about was clearly Tetris. Hey, listen, man, don't laugh. If you can make a movie out of Lego and you can make, they're making a Monopoly movie. Why not Tetris? Shapes. Yeah. That's the great job. Does the Rock play the block? Shapes. Does the Rock play the block? He plays the straight line block. I hate the little zigzag one. The L-shaped one. No, the one that goes like this, like the Z. Oh, yes. That always messes up my Tetris block. I call it the N. Oh, the N. That's right. I hate them all. They should all just be square. Come on, dude. That's the basis of great Tetris. I know. And I'm not a part of that basis. You know who's awesome at Tetris? Anne. Anne. And Olive. (laughs) Is Olive play too? By the way, for those who don't know, Olive is Anne and Ray's sister they when I was younger them two I believe hated each other when they beat each other's top score and I was in the middle not playing at all because I couldn't compete with them well Anne was playing like online where you have like hundreds of other Tetris players and she's always finishing at or near the top both of them are geniuses it's, it's at crazy that she's so good at that all right next up uh, Andy writes, uh, Ray should use Nicole Kidman. Oh, no. Ray should sue Nicole Kidman because heartbreak did not feel good in a place like the theaters after watching Moonfall. Of course, that's, <laughs> that's of course, the Nicole Kidman line in the stupid AMC commercial. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. And Nicole's awesome. I ain't just Nicole. Nicole's one of the goats. The goats. But AMC, those AMC commercials that you play... When I'm already sitting in an AMC theater and it's already been 20 minutes since Showtime started, kind of mm. dumb. All right. Uh, Rookie Tookie writes, sends in like $20 <laughs> of a super chat. Thank you, dude. Appreciate that. All right. Hello, gang. Uh, this fall, I'm anticipating for the arrival of my first ever hot toy. Oh, yes. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. And welcome what is to your doom. A brand new deluxe edition Mandalorian with baby Yodster. And man, does it look glorious. My only concern is keeping it clean from dust. Robbie, I, I'm uh, look, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess you've got this one pre-ordered. Oh, I ha- well, there's it might be the third release. Yeah, there's been third. I have the middle one already. This is probably the newest one that has the actual chromed out Beskar armor and w- with all the accessories. It's amazing. Put it in a glass case, dude. Yeah, get a, put, get a detoff put, at Ikea. Put it in a glass case. You know, I'll tell you something. As soon as you get that figure, you're going to order another one. Yeah. yeah. You're going to order another one. As soon as Mando shows up in any of the episodes, Hot Toys just sells. Uh, they have to re-release the figure over and over again. By the way, did you see the new Sideshow things? Mm-mm. WWE legend sideshow. One All those quarter, statues. The quarter scale of Stone Cold, Ultimate yeah. Warrior, Macho Man. You're a statue Dwayne guy. Johnson. They're one quarter scale. They look, the Stone Cold Steve Austin one looks awesome. I love it. I love it. But I need something that moves. And they're like $600. I need something that moves. Right, Rob? You with me on that? Yeah, I'm not the biggest statue guy, but I got to tell you, there's some statues that I I. Elizabeth doesn't understand why statues. The only are one I've ever wanted, Doctor Doom on his throne. I that big that. one. I, I had a Doctor Doom on his throne that I that gave to a friend one. of mine. All right. But I want to get Peter Cushing and uh, Christopher Lee. Mm. Oh, those look great. Which next one up? Uh, thanks, Randa, and enjoy that hot toy, man. But as Rob said, be very, very careful because once you get one, like I had none, then I had one, then I blinked, and I had four. So just they're very, very. Once you see how good they look up on one of your shelves, rookie. Dude, just just the be- just breathe and don't spend all your money. And the best part about John buying a hot toy, 
I get to play with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, cool. Wait, wait, I don't what's play cool? with hot toys. To no, call he's out. like, what's a cool pose, Ray? And oh, then I'll be okay. like, let me take it from here, John. <laughs> I got to give, give uh, I got to give John's wife Anne credit for this because she bought Spider, Spider Gwen, Gwen. Yep. and she did a phenomenal job posing that figure. Did you help her with that one, or she did the one herself? She did that she all did on her own. Yeah, I and sent her. I sent her a pose video, but she she did a great job. And it came with a little spider ham with it. It looked great. All right, next up uh andy writes on michael rosenbaum's podcast jensen ackles uh said that he's developing a dc property warner brothers don't know what it is but i'm excited well of course jensen ackles is about to show up as a soldier boy the boys uh on the boys which i'm so freaking excited about that show coming back it's going to be interesting to see which way he's going to go with that and mm. uh see what property he's talking about so yeah i'm a big fan of jensen ackles have been even before the supernatural days Marie seifring writes all right, Chris. Chris, who is not here today, obviously. She's off moving with Logan. She'll be back tomorrow. Um, all right, Chris. On a scale of one to five golden retrievers, who has more golden retrievers energy, Jason Momoa or Chris Hemsworth? I don't know. What, I, I got a feeling Chris knows what that's a reference yeah. to. I do not yeah. know. Aww. It's probably a scale of something that we have no business commenting on. So, uh, Marie. I'm going to go with, uh, you know, Jason Momoa. Sure. I have no idea. And I'm going to go with Hemsworth. Just yeah, I'm going to go with Hemsworth, too. He's not knowing blonde. what it is. He's blonde, so it's a golden retriever look, so right? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, one of us will remember when Chris is when back Chris in here. To and ask we'll her. just go with the golden retrievers. retrievers. All right, next up. We got Brandon Blake who writes, we've never really gotten the detective in live action Batman film. I'm hoping this is it. And my expectations are reaching unrealistic levels. I mean, we've, we've had bits and pieces of the detective, but you're right. We've never really had... I love when Ray Ghoul calls him that detective. I just like the way he says that. But you're right. We've never really had that. And I have a feeling, look, this is obviously a lot of mystery to this. There, there are mysteries and secrets to uncover. I think we are going to get truly that detective Batman, but also a pretty damn badass Batman at the same time, Brandon. Cannot wait. All right. Nick writes, Ray, congrats. Hope you and the gang can go to the Super Bowl in two weeks. Yeah, no, Ray's not going to the no, Super Bowl. No, we're not going to the Super Bowl. We're like, just watching it on TV. Like last night, Ann and I realized it's been forever. since It's been like 12, 13 years since you've been to a Lakers game. Yeah. So Ann and I were talking the other day about buying some tickets to a Lakers game and bringing Ray with us. But that's like $100 a ticket. Yeah. I ain't bringing Ray to the Super yeah. Bowl. I ain't going yeah. to the Super Bowl. You know what we can do? What's that? We can go to the tailgate, though. You know how hard it is to get, get there? I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I just want to be here with the barbecue, drinks, and just have a good time. Did you did you hear what the parking spots cost? Just for a for a regular LA Rams game to park at SoFi Stadium, I think is close to $200. Parking across the street at the LA Forum, so you're still about a mile walk away, is $80 to park. They're saying for the Super Bowl, it's going to be $600 to park. $600. That is more than the to park. That is more than the most deluxe hot toy you can ever buy. That's not more than the Hulkbuster. Oh, well, that's a Come special on, thing. That's a special thing. Yeah, but like, I oh, have my God. no way. No way. That's and two consoles. Some people are saying in there, like Zach is saying Uber. You can't. An Uber to get there is going to take you like three hours. Three hours to get there just because of the traffic around. It's, it's Does a train go there? Mm -hmm. 
It doesn't, it I don't doesn't matter. So. I don't for think a tailgate, you have to bring your barbecue. What are you? You can't, yeah, you gotta bring barbecue. off other people. All right. Uh-oh. Can you go the night before? <laughs> I guess you could, but you still gotta pay. Sleep in the car, like Rocky, and look up at the stadium. All right, we gotta keep going here. The- Next up, Kevin Cow writes: Rams and Bengals. Let's go. A year of the Tiger. Rams and Bengals, and it's it's. I still can't believe the Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Suthius writes. Uh, recommending Archive 81 on Netflix. An archiver who works in a museum is tasked with restoring old VHS tapes. As he does, uh, he unravels a supernatural sci-fi-esque mystery that involves the owner of those tapes who has gone missing. Very cool and unexpected ending. And Rob, you were saying you've been watching Archive 81, Yeah, I've got two more episodes to go. I have to say it casts a really interesting spell. And watching it, especially episode six, is really, really creepy. It's really well done. I got to see this. But it's also, yeah, it's also, it it's also, it's, if I were to sit down and explain the actual plot to you, you'd be like, wait, what? It's really like he, sci-fi and horror. It's really, I would say it's a little convoluted, but it's really interesting. I got to check this out. I'm going to, I'm going to put that on my list, man. All right. Next up, we got Justin, the movie nerd who writes films with the weirdest concept of 2021, uh, Tatane, uh, Annette, Barb and the star go to Vista Del Mar. I'm not familiar with that one. Malignant. I, I wanted to like Malignant. I just did not. Uh, and the Green Knight. I, I really quite enjoyed the Green Knight. Any of those ones stand out to you, Rob? I, I love them all except Barb and I haven't seen the Vista Motel film. I, I'm not even familiar with that one. I, I Tatain, obviously, was one on yeah, my yeah. list, one of my favorites, which, by the way, I just got on Blu-ray. Um, so I think all of those movies have delighted me. I interviewed the costume designer of uh, Green Knight this weekend. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, I really love that film. All right. Next up, uh, Brandon Blake writes, the next DC show should be V for Vigilante. Oh, my God. I'm loving Vigilante on this show so much. I just love that character. Saud uh, Ul Hassan writes, uh, congratulations on Dota season two, Rob. I like season two better than one. I hope Netflix greens light season three and that some way Lena comes back. Of course, for those of you who don't know, you know, I really should be introducing every episode when I introduce Rob. <laughs> Saying Saturn Award winning, writer director of the William Shatner film Free Enterprise, uh, producer of of uh, uh, featurettes on films like Lord of the Rings and Superman Returns. Yeah, but you know, John, and working on Dota. This sir, Robert, it's Robert. It's Mayer, Mayer, what have you done for Burnett. me lately? Lately, well, well no, Dota, no. Dota. I have a to say, thing. Dota's Dota's late latest thing I've worked on, and I'm I'm really proud. Like Ashley Edward Miller, who's in. Uh, movie trailers, a love, movie trailers a love story he yeah. was the showrunner and i've i've known him for years we worked together on agent cody banks and he i think he really did a great job on and and all the writing staff did an incredible job on dota and season two really takes it into very interesting do you know that there's a scene in season two where anson mount who plays captain pike on discovery John DeLancey, who plays Q, and Jeffrey Combs, who played Wayoon on Deep Space Nine, are all in the same scene together. That's awesome. So if you're a Star Trek fan, as I am, and then there's, of course, Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead, and Ashley Lawrence from Hellraiser. I mean, Ashley Miller just put together the most amazing voice cast of just crazy cameos and then the main cast is amazing. It's amazing. So it's very privileged to have worked on that show. One of these days, when we have a lot more money, I got to get Paul Heyman just to come in and say, and sitting over here, Mr. Robert, and then Heyman interrupt. Wait. Wait. My name is Paul, Paul Heyman. Heyman. Oh, okay. And oh, I'm introducing, <laughs> and have him introduce. Oh. If you're a WWE fan, you know what we're talking about. All right, next up. Um, 
Out of Time writes, okay, any of you see the movie Fanboys? Yeah, actually, well, Great movie. come on. Love it. Dude, I, I've had Kyle Newman on my show. Kyle's the best. I, I, I've, I've, I've had dinner with Kyle a number of times. I actually, you're right back and forth. Yeah, yes, we have seen Fanboys. Yeah, very rare. It's great, and Kyle is awesome. All right, next up. Uh, Christopher Brickner writes, uh, one of two. The Halo trailer was good, but I have complaints. Giving Cortana human skin color was a bad idea, yeah. as it looks on Canny Valley. Uh, blue skin, like the games, uh, would have been better. Also, why not get back the Master Chief voice actor? There was also just a Halo game, and the new voice just doesn't sound right. Okay, so here's the problem, Christopher. Is the the problem with bringing recognized IP, whether they're from TV shows or video games or animated things, whatever, is part of the problem is we become, and I'm including myself in this, I'm a part of this, you and me, Christopher, you and me both, we, we, we both do this, I, I've done it too. We get a real sense of entitlement that what we've already know is what they should do in the movie. And the reality is, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, no, you shouldn't. This is a new thing. This is a new medium. It's yeah. being done in a different way. And what fans of, of original material need to get over saying, like I remember when they got, when they were doing Ahsoka and they were bringing Ahsoka into Mandalorian and they got Rosario Dawson. And yet still, instead of celebrating that, there were a whole bunch of fans who were saying, it should have been the name of the girl who does Ashley, the voice. Yeah, actually something X, or other. Eckstein or, X, or something I, like. I can't remember. Yeah. Who is wonderful? Who is absolutely wonderful? But I think Ashley would be the first person to tell you, my God, if you can get Rosario Dawson, you get Rosario Dawson. And it's a new iteration. And, and remember, there are going to be more people watching this. So I was fine with it. I, the, I don't think you need to make it like the game. Those three gripes that he had were really like, if I had a problem with it, it would have been mine too. But just the having a Halo series coming it's just all uh you know overtakes all of that just be happy we're getting halo in a series and it looks good so far and i also think too that a lot of that stems from the fact that they got peter cullen to come back as the voice of optimus prime yeah, in the transformers well, yes, movies yes and after you've done that i mean that sort of sets a precedent for fans but i think you know like you pointed out Rosario, a voice actor is a very different kind of an actor than somebody who's appearing on yeah, screen. Exactly. And so maybe that's not always the best choice. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Listen, if it's good, it's good. And if it's not, it's not. And swapping out whoever the voice actor was isn't going to make a difference. Isn't really going to be the difference maker between it being a good thing or a bad thing. So, all right, next up. Now we got Suthius who writes. Never played Halo, but was always interested in the Master Chief character. As long as the show tells a good story about him, then I'm all in. I mean, that's the thing, too. And I really hope that people who are fans of the game, if they deviate on the story, and they will. They will. They will deviate they on the will. story. All that matters is, is it good? And if they deviate, if they hardly deviate at all, but it doesn't turn out to work well in this medium, then what did you gain? And if they deviate a lot, I mean, I, I go back all the time to the comic book stuff, right? Civil War, the movie, is nothing like Civil War, the comic book. No, no, no way. But it's great. Days of Future Past is so different from the comic book story of Days of Future Past. But it's one of the best comic book movies ever made. Age in my of opinion. Ultron. Age of Ultron is completely yeah. different, right? So it's just don't turn off just because it's different from the game because it will be different from the game. 
just take it for what it is and hopefully it'll be awesome i welcome all new fans this is what i want to show this is one of the big reasons why i want a halo series to introduce new people who are unfamiliar with it bring them into this universe hopefully and keep them there you know what i mean all right next up i'm with you the wet wookie writes ray do you think craig is going to be in the halo show i don't know who craig is oh the oh god no hopefully not it was that when they first showed the halo infinite trailer and everyone was making fun of that guy you've seen the memes i didn't see the craig. memes no i've seen and, no memes. It, it looked awful it, like they released that trailer way too early the first halo infinite trailer and he became craig everyone started calling okay. him craig all right i'm not familiar with that all right anthony palmero writes uh, what does Anne mean when she says Dune is better than Star Wars? And did you make her eat soap for saying something like that? Saying so that, them, them, them is <laughs> them is marriage therapy words right there. Yeah, when Dune ends, and I turned to Anne, I'm like, what did you say? For those of you who don't know, when the first time I watched Dune, I was with Anne, and we're watching it, and the movie ends, and I turned to Anne because remember, Anne had never read the books; she knows nothing about the story of Dune at all, and. We had a lot of discussions around here, too, about are people who are uninitiated to Dune going to get the movie? Are they going to understand it? Blah, blah, blah. So Anna's never watched any of that. And the movie ended, and I turned to her. I was very curious. I said, so what did you think? And her face just stayed on the screen for a minute as the credits were on. She goes, I like it better than Star Wars. You understand, Anne really likes Star Wars a lot. Like, the Emperor is her jam. That's her That's her grandfather to her. The Emperor is her daddy. I mean, she, she loves Palpatine, right? But... She's like, I think I like it better. She's obsessed with Dune. She is. Like she, she's now obsessed. She's buying board game, the Dune board games. Good for her. She's buying, I mean, she her. is so in love with it. But when she's yeah, saying this better than Star Wars, I'm like, ah, okay, honey, let's back it up a little bit. She's no, I like it more than Star Wars. I'm like, okay, got, I got to find therapy. Well, to be us. fair, the first Star Wars was heavily influenced by Dune. Oh, absolutely was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were a lot of influences in there. All right, next up, um, Lincoln Johnson writes. I'm all for a Joker sequel. I love the compelling story. And of course, Joaquin Phoenix's performance was outstanding. I'm excited to see a fully realized Joker. Just don't call it Joker 2. Be creative. I, I'll be honest with you. I prefer numerical titles in, in franchises. I really do. It's just be creative. Who gives a shit about the title of a movie? The title of a movie doesn't make it better or worse. I, I And honestly... Like when you give numerical things like Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, you always know which one you're talking about and which order it is in relation to the other ones. Whereas when you say Captain America Civil War, where did that happen again? Where does that uh, work? I, yeah, I think me. that they will, though. I I, I think I agree calling, with you. Yeah. I mean, Joker calling it Joker, not the Joker, just Joker. I think they're going to come up with a title. It's Joker something. I agree. I think they will. Yeah. The joke of Jokey Fett. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll for it. Joke as uh, Ryan is saying in the live chat, Joker 2 jokes on you. I like that one too. <laughs> I like that one too. Or Joker, Prince of Crime. Or mm, something. Right. I don't know. Crown Clown Prince. Oh, Clown Prince. Just call it Clown I, I like Prince. That. I like that. That one works. Huh? I, I look, either way, I'm gonna see it. All right, next up. Uh that was Lincoln Johnson. Thanks for sending that in, Lincoln. Uh Wiley Todd writes. Hey, guys, have you seen the movie The Commitments? Yes, I have. It's become one of my favorite movies, Destination Anywhere. Dude, what year did that come out? Like, was oh, that? Oh, man. Let me look at it. 88? I was going to say, it was the late 80s or early 90s. Yeah, I don't know. That That's one. Actually, that came up again 
where were we watching that? That it was years ago. We were just coming back from Universal City Walk. Something came up about it, and Ann wanted to watch it when we went home. We watched it again, but it's it's great. Call Scott Mance. Scott Nance will always know the release date. You got a release date for that one, Ray? No, uh, okay. yeah, hold on. Sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to Ray as he looks at the release date on that, but that's a good one, Wiley. All right, Rafael Casilio writes, and sends in like a $20 super chat. Thank you, Rafael, for supporting our channel on that level, man. 91. Wow. 91. Okay. I knew it was early 90s, late 80s. Uh, Rafael Casilio writes, Last Night in Soho is very well done. A couple of Mr. X and unexpected twists. Creepy at times. I loved it. I knew there was a mystery about Anya Taylor-Joy's character, but not what I thought. Highly recommend. You know, I went in to Last Night in Soho with super high expectations. One, because a bunch of people saw it before I did, so the hype was really, really big. But number two, it's Edgar Wright. And right. Ray, Edgar Wright, to me, can do no wrong. Like, I, I, I freaking love him as a filmmaker. He's so good. I did not love Last Night in Soho. I didn't either. I bought it, though. I didn't dislike it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't dislike it. I mean, first of all, it is beautiful. Like, the way the shots are composed. It's incredibly like, well made. It's incredibly well made. And I like it. But I I, I didn't love it. My One of my big things to me was at the end, you know, we talk about this with Snake Eyes. It's difficult to love a movie when you actively don't really like the main protagonist. Hmm. And because Snake Eyes was an asshole in Snake Eyes, right? Like you're at, you find yourself cheering for Storm Shadow in Snake Eyes, <laughs> and in this, like this mean girl and her her the dude who's her love interest in it, right? I just never bought for a second that that dude saw anything likable in her, and it, it's hard to really get into when you can't attach yourself to the character. And but I mean, overall, it was still good. I liked the the misdirects near the end when it went in a different direction. That was all pretty cool. But yeah, at the end of the day, I didn't love it. You didn't love it either. I I wanted to love it more. I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was decent. I, I, I didn't good. love it as much as I wanted to. All right. Uh, thanks for writing that in, Raphael. Next up, Cody Hunt writes, Patterson said he was joking when he said he wasn't working out for Batman. He stated it just feels embarrassing to talk about uh, how you're working out. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I could not help but feel like he said something that might have been directed at me uh, <laughs> because there was a headline in The Hollywood Reporter because well, okay, because you know, when, when they announced Robert Pattinson was Batman and it was just like the Ben Affleck thing, the whole world was against it. Like when, when they announced Affleck as Batman, like everything was memes is, oh, you got Ben Affleck as Batman. <laughs> and like me and Schnepp got on got on the AMC YouTube channel minutes after it was announced and we were like the only it felt like we were the only guys online saying this is brilliant he's going to be a great Batman and I felt like the same thing was happening with Robert Pattinson when Robert Pattinson got announced as Batman and everybody's like hey, boy. I, I'm like you you wait Pattinson is going to be awesome in this role he is a great actor you wait and see but then he I did that interview with I think it was Vanity Fair and he said no nah, I'm not going to work out for this like, and he said it so convincingly, even the writer of the article thought he was being serious. Right. Like, you got to remember, the, the guy who was sitting down with him face to face believed he was being serious. And so I had no reason to believe Robert Pattinson was lying. And so I got really pissed because I was embarrassed because I'm like, I'm the one defending Robert Pattinson getting cast in this. And how he's come out, he goes, he's not even taking this seriously enough to work out because he's saying, no, I don't work out for it and blah, blah. Now, he was, it turns out he was joking and that's great. But a few days ago, there was a report. And the let me see if I can find this. Find this here. Hold there's also a picture. There's been a picture of him in Batman where he's topless, 
And well, yeah, now, now, now we have it. You know, he's beefy. I mean, the thing is, look, what people don't understand is that's in his contract. If you are, if you take on the role of Batman, you're contractually obligated to work out. I mean, that's part of it's built into your deal because you have to look the part. And I think any actor worth their salt knows what they're getting into. You think after everybody else has played the role of Batman that Christian Bale looking the way he is, you think an actor wants to like be uh, unfavorably compared to an actor that previously played that role right. because but they, this is this is Pattinson's fault. I know, like if, I know. If you're going to say it and say it so convincingly that even the the guy sitting with you believed it. So I went off I went off like, Pastor, oh, I remember you asshole. Like you've been given this role. Take it seriously. Blah, blah, blah. So I couldn't help but feel a couple of days ago on January 19th when Variety puts out this story and Robert Pattinson saying the headline is Robert Pattinson joking about not working out for the Batman really came back to haunt me. And I couldn't help but wonder if that had something to do with me. <laughs> I could not help but wonder if maybe that had a little something. To, but look. He was joking. I'm so happy just to be back on the Robert Pattinson train. I'm so excited for him as Batman. I still think from day one, he was the right choice to do this. But when I saw this headline, look, obviously I'm way overestimating my own importance here. I'm totally way overestimating my own importance. But when I read that headline, yeah, joking about not working out really came back to haunt me. I'm like, I wonder if that has anything to do with me. Don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. All right, next up. Uh, we got Kevin Coward writes, excited for Halo, but video 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 game effects is weird. Excited for Halo, but video game effects is weird. I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, Kevin. Maybe they think the, the video, the special effects look a little video gamey. Oh, they... maybe. Maybe. I, I was frankly kind of impressed by it, but we'll see. I was, when we get to... I was too. Yeah. We'll see when we get to it the context. For the universe. Yeah, you got to see it in context. Dennis. Okay, I'm going to try my best here, Dennis. De Dennis as Volinsky writes or or Valinsky writes i think the hardest casting decision for the mcu will be logan since hugh jackman was so iconic do you have anybody in mind on who should play him i never 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 do x actor and x role guessings don't care all you need to do is get a good actor because here's the thing some people are too young to remember but when they cast hugh jackman as wolverine everybody hated it well, one, they didn't Broadway, know who he was. Yeah, well, first of all, he's a no-name. Second, when they look into him at all, he's a Broadway song and dance guy, because that's what he was. And he's over six feet tall. And the big thing, he was like six one, six two, whatever he was. And everybody hated it. Everybody hated it. But we did not know the script. And we did not know what this character was going to be like on screen. And had we hindsight we would all know that hugh jackman's perfect for it and now despite the fact that everybody hated it can anybody imagine mike henry can you can you henry imagine anybody other than hugh jackman playing what nobody now can imagine anybody else other than him so here's the thing they're going to announce a new logan and then everybody's going to hate it and then we'll actually see this person play Logan, and then we'll get a sense about whether they were truly the right well, person. Well, I mean, John, think about it. People hated Heath Ledger. Yep. People hated Michael Keaton. Yep. People hated Ben Affleck. Yep. People hated Hugh Jackman. Yep. People have hated everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's 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 Q fanboy outrage. And look, I'm a fanboy. 
And I've often thought like, what I don't understand is why people object to these things because they spend a long time contemplating these decisions. And I usually try and trust filmmakers in this and they've so far always been right with maybe one exception that I won't mention, but everybody knows and it's in the MCU. That's why at the end of the day, all I care about is, is it a talented performer they cast? And if they cast a talented performer, I'm okay. We'll see how it works out. Mm -hmm. But you're, you're right. It's it, it that is going to be the tricky one. Getting the new Logan is going to be tricky, and it's going to be key, and it's going to be important because it's going to be a guy they're going to hope will play this role for the next ten to fifteen years. But also lesser so Magneto, Professor X. They're who, all important. I yeah. Know. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up here, we've got who was that? That was Dennis. Thanks for writing that in, Dennis. Kevin Joyce writes in, to your earlier discussions and points following Moonfall, suspending one's disbelief isn't the same as forgiving a film for inconsistent internal logic. But see, that's the thing. Suspension of disbelief is separate from logic consistency. Here's what I mean by that. I am okay. I will believe that a blonde-haired guy from a planet called Asgard with a magical hammer, I will buy into that. All I ask a movie is, that's suspension of disbelief. But whatever rules of this world are that you're creating on screen for me, all I ask is that you be consistent with your own rules. That's all I ask. Come up with the most ridiculous stuff in the world, suspension of disbelief. Be consistent with the laws of reality that you are creating in your own movie. That's on you. That's on the filmmakers. And so I completely agree with you, Kevin, on that. There is a difference with that. Now, in Moonfall, they they break both of those rules. Number one, they just do some things in it that are way too much for us to just suspend disbelief oh, over. Yeah. And then, like, <clears throat> here's the thing. There's a, I'm referring to a clip that's in the trailer, so I'm not even giving anything away as a spoiler. This is a clip in the trailer. You guys have all seen this clip in the trailer where... Big parts of the earth are pulling up from the earth and the ground is breaking apart and a car is driving and it jumps to one of the big pieces that are floating up in the air so it can keep going, right? Guess what? If gravity was pulling things up in the air, the car would be pulled up in the air. <laughs> that is a matter of, okay, I'll suspend my disbelief that this is all happening, but by your own internal logic of the movie, that car should be flying up in the space right now. Like with the with the pieces of the earth that are flying up. So it was asking us to suspend disbelief way too much, and then it was violating its own its own logic it was setting up. I, I have to agree with you entirely. And what really bothered me about Moonfall is the big ask that the moon can go out of orbit or the moon's gonna fall on the earth, that's I'll suspend my disbelief for that. But every single scene in Moonfall does something that is completely, John brought up a scene, and that's an obvious scene they show in the trailer. But something that I can't stand is they need to get a space shuttle in the movie. You see that there's a space shuttle in the movie, and they have to move it from where it is to where they're going to launch it. And they just, they just, they just breeze right by it like nobody's going to care how you get this thing. But they show in the movie that it's being taken on a truck. And we live through that here in L.A. They brought the space shuttle right. through city streets yep. and it took days. And so if there's something really bad happening and then they breeze over that every single scene in Moonfall, every scene is full of stuff that you're going, come on. And by the way, I never knew that you could launch a space shuttle with four people. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I had no, no, no idea to launch like, four people to also, launch a space shuttle. where they drove the space shuttle through, 
it looked like it had been wrecked by like this the water and all that stuff yeah. how is it how is uh, how and, are those buildings still up or whatever i don't is, know this is the problem between great fantasy cinema Look, there's no sound in space, but in Star Wars, you never think twice about it because it's called Star Wars. And you got to have this TIE fighter sound. Yeah, and you, you're like, you, it never bothers you. But 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 a movie like Moonfall is so inconsistent on enduring every scene that it just goes, it flies off into oblivion and you can't buy any of it. So, yeah. I didn't cool. believe Don't see Moonfall, baby. <laughs> Don't see, by the way, by the way, I just got to, I wanted to point this out. Uh, one of our viewers, Alton Wang, uh, I, I lost it here a second ago. Alt Wang said, yeah, F physics. I've got family. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of Fast and Furious in there for you. Okay, we keep going here. Gary that was Buck. the same problem, though. Yeah, it was. Fast so 9. You know, you can't, from the opening scene, I'm like, I don't believe this. Yep, absolutely. Gary Buck writes, just watch Two Towers again. That's That sounds like a good day, my Two friend. Walls. Just watch Two Towers again. My lord, the scene when Gandalf and the army charge down the mountain like there's something from the book of Revelation. Is there a movie scene that feels spiritual to you? Oh, a lot. I think we've talked a lot um, on on this show about various scenes in movies mm. that, are, that are just... And look, I know I joke about it all the time, but honestly, truly, and seriously, best of the best, Eric Roberts... James Earl Jones, Chris Penn, uh, the end when Day Han, broken and beaten, limps across the aisle with his gold medal, and he takes off his medal, and he puts it on Tommy, and he says, I deeply regret the loss of your brother, and I offer myself as your brother. I mean, I, look, I, I, I'm not going to go off on my regular rant on this, but it is one of the... In the most ridiculous movie, it is one of my favorite movie moments ever. I offer myself as your brother. I'm like, oh, come on. That is like one of the ultimate man-grr moments. Grr! Like, it's just... Uh, but yeah, the, and, and there are many of those in Lord of the Rings, too. Do you got a particular oh. scene that's like, like practically spiritual for you when you think about it? Um, No, I mean, like you said, I don't know one particular scene. There's so many scenes that I really love. But the whole the whole movies, I, it's kind of a cop out to say, but I, I'm thinking of so many, but they're not the obvious ones. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I don't know. Not not. All right. Let's move on here. Next up, we got some Pygar who writes some minor gripes with the Halo trailer, but I'm still very excited for it. Hope they just use the Halo score for the show. Oh, yeah. Cover song. Uh, didn't didn't fit. I thought the music in the trailer was a perfect. I thought fit. it was very cool. But there, I don't know if you saw it, but it's in the air tonight, right? Wasn't it in the, it's Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like a remix of that. Yeah. But there was a little bit later during the game, they had a Paramount Plus commercial where they had all the different characters and stars from various Paramount Plus things sitting around a campfire, but they've got that halo. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That was that a was good so commercial. Good. Even the NFL players. <laughs> that was a good commercial. The marketing yes. is coming. It's, Dude, it's nothing coming was better you. than that Top Gun commercial with Kansas City. What, that, did you see that? Was, no. Was, it, Can, was it, that, it wasn't Kansas City when Tom Cruise came out was talking about the game. Oh, the what? Two, who, which, oh, God, it was for, it was a Top Gun Maverick commercial. Not but this week. Was it last week? I didn't see it at all. I didn't see that at oh, all either. It's a Top Gun commercial where Tom Cruise comes out and introduces the two teams. And I want to say, I want to say it was the Bengals. Titans? I, I think it was. I think it was. I had no idea. I did not see this. I must well, have missed it. We've got to look it up. After. All right. Let's keep going here. Uh, Maybe it wasn't Bengals. It was. Next up, we got 
Purple Haze 4564 who writes, John, I'm confused. On Spider-Man No Way Home, at the end when Strange casts a spell, did it wipe the mind of did it might wipe the mind for those in space like Nick Fury or other realms like Thor? Eh, magic. I mean, everywhere again, which which points out the absurdity of the end credit when a part of the symbiote gets left behind. It's like magic gets into oh, but magic forgot to take all of the symbiote away. I mean that that was really dumb. That was when you really think about it, that was really stupid. Uh, but my guess is, is is throughout all of reality. That's my guess. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I don't know. They'll have to explain it more, but that is my guess, Purple Haze. So you, maybe you agree, maybe you don't. All right, Andy writes, I didn't know Rob has a Saturn Award. That's all fine and dandy, but does he have a Kids' Choice Award? That's where it's really at. Rob, the question everybody knows, you got that shiny Saturn Award, but do you have a Kids' Choice Award? I don't. Ah. Uh, but I aspire to one day win. Maybe one. Dota will be it. Maybe you'll yeah, get uh, I, I, the Kids' you know, Choice Award for it's, Dota. But it's R-rated, so it's, you know. Well, you know, whatever. It is kids. They're dumb. All right, next up. Uh, Chloe Reed writes, did John just say kids are dumb? Kids are dumb. All right, uh, I lost my spot here. There's Gary, Purple Haze, Andy, Chloe. There we go. Um, Loki, Doctor Strange, Thor, or Black Panther? Who has the best musical theme? Black Panther. I, I'm going to go black and maybe yeah. I wouldn't have felt that way. Had it not been for that concert, we actually got to hear the musicians playing it live, but I'm going to go with black. Panther. It's an incredible score. Is he I talking mean, about the main theme just for the character? That, yeah. For, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't like I, I, I'm all, I'm all about yeah. that. And that's my guess, Andy. What do you guys think? What's your favorite out of them? Uh, Cole. Oh no, that was Cole Reed. Next up. We got uh King Tantic rights. One of four. Well, guys, last Wednesday, I also had an early screening of Moonfall. I was surprised when the Optimus Prime narration started at the beginning, <laughs> leading into the actual title, Transformers Dark of the Moonfall. <laughs> and then they reveal that the moon be the moon is Unicron. Oh, my gosh. And then when Mark Wahlberg and Shia LaBeouf returned, I was floored. Best movie ever made, 10 out of 10. But in all seriousness, when the movie ending uh, with... When the movie ending, I started laughing. I don't know if I liked it or not. <laughs> it was so bonkers that I legitimately cannot tell. Also, my name is from the last name being King and my favorite movie being Titanic. Thus, King Tantic. Well, there you go. I listen. Oh I don't I don't want to give away any. I don't even know if Moonfall. I don't know if anything would even constitute a spoiler for Moonfall. But I mean, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but. Just make up a spoiler. That's what Moonfall did. I'll tell you, King try Tantic to make up a movie. <laughs> King Tantic just made up a much better movie than the one we saw. I know. I would actually want to see that. Yeah, that movie I'll see. Although I will say this. There is kind of a similarity between Moonfall and Transformers Dark of the Moon. Yes, there, there is. There is. I mean, there is. they both talk about Apollo 11. There's like there's there stuff is. going on there. Some influence in there. There's alien technology on the moon. You I know. mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, so you might be onto something there, King Tantic. I like again, you just you just King Tantic in 45 seconds just entertained me more than Moonfall. Did. By the way, I have to say once again, I'm just going to profess my undying love for Transformers 3 Dark of the Moon. Oh, love yeah, it. I still don't like I, I, love I, it. I wish I could like all the Transformers. I just didn't like that one. One and three, baby. One all and right. three. Our buddy Kevin Rubio writes in, Rob and I, but, okay, Rob and I, but in the bid, hmm, let me try this again. Rob and I, but in the bid to do the Indiana Jones DVD Blu-ray trilogy, 
back in 2005. Okay, is he saying that you and him bid? Yeah, we. Okay, we, you we, put in a bid. Okay, we, we put in a. a we tr we tried to get the job. So you know, he probably meant instead of Rob and I, but he probably meant Rob and I put. Okay, so Rob and I put in the bid to do the Indiana Jones DVD Blu-ray trilogy back in 2005. Uh, had had we would we would have had Spielberg's commentary. Did, did well, I mean, well, well that that's was, if that Spielberg would have done it. It was a proposal. That's right. if you if you would have done it. So you actually got to bid on that job? We, yeah, we uh, back then. Yeah, because uh, we were. Those are the great days of Blu-ray where you could do those things. And I was I was working for Paramount at the time. So it was it was good. You could you could submit those kinds of things. And this was we were trying to drum up work. They hadn't you know, they were they were going to do it. They talked about doing it. They hadn't yet done it. So, yeah, but I, I've put in I wanted to do a whole G.I. Joe. I made a G.I. Joe proposal as well to do a whole history of the G.I. Joe franchise. And it went up the chain. But I'll tell you how it could you could have won it. If you had proposed, we're going to do all these special features, and they're going to be narrated by Tag and Bink. For those of you who don't know, Kevin Rubio is the creator of those characters. It's, it's the whole thing, all of it narrated by Tag and Dude, Bink. Dude, that should Wouldn't be a live-action Disney Plus series. People would love it. I think people would go for it. I think. I mean, a, a you know comedy what? series within the... Hulu. Hulu is the place for them to do a Tag and Bink series. But I would Outward. do a live-action. Yeah, going live back action. into like Going back into all the Star Wars scenes and insert Tag and Bink into them. I think It'd that could great. work. Great. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, next up. Thanks for writing that in, Kev. Uh, Josie Reviews writes, I watched a documentary on the guys that invested in GameStop, uh, GameStop stocks called GameStop Rise of the Players. Oh, yeah. And it got me thinking, do you think there's an audience for a doc on the rise and fall of MoviePass? I, I'll be honest with you. I love documentaries. We all know what happened with MoviePass. I wouldn't mind seeing a narrative film about it i wouldn't mind seeing a movie a live action movie about that whole thing because honestly the movie pass it's not just a cautionary tale the whole thing with movie pass is filled with underhandedness and yeah. corruption and public manipulation and the, it's all surrounding the uh, the whole idea not just the movie business but movie fans and manipulating movie fans there is so much intrigue in there i would love to see a movie on it it would really depend on the people themselves, the characters yes. that it's based on. Whereas like the new We Work documentary that's coming out with Jared Leto, the characters, this charismatic, crazy Russian dude. I mean, I just think that, that the thing about MoviePass was it was just a bad idea created, hatched in a boardroom. It was never thought through because it could have been a good idea. All right. Next up, we've got Al Renshaw writes in, now I know how to please Chef Pleasures. That's what everybody always wants to know. How does one please Chef Pleasures? He gave, of course, a good step-by-step -step, uh, uh, roadmap on that earlier. Uh, Josie Reviews also writes, also check out the After Party on Apple TV. It's a lot of fun. I'll tell you what. Have you started watching this yet? The After Party on Apple TV Plus? No, I have not. I it's, don't even know what it is. It's kind of a whodunit comedy. It's got, uh, I keep forgetting his real name, John Ralphio, who does the voice of Sonic. I keep oh, forgetting okay. his real name. But he's not the main guy, but he's in it. And started watching Ben Schwartz. It. Ben Schwartz, thank yeah, you. There you go. Um, and started watching it. So I walked. I sat down and watched one episode with her. It's pretty good. All right. The commercials were funny. I, I never even saw a single commercial, but I watched one episode, and I'm like, okay. All I would say is this: the one scene I walked in on, this guy, 
it's there's a high school reunion and this guy decides it's time for me to tell this woman that I've always loved since high school that how I really feel right so he decides he's going to do it in a karaoke song because at the big party there's a big there's a karaoke I'm going to get up and do it but the karaoke person puts on the wrong song and there's this really filthy 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 rap song I won't quote it uh, my neck my back my right so he starts all I, when I first started watching it, when I walked in the room, that scene's on, and this guy's trying to wrap it, but also be family friendly. He goes, My neck, my back. I like my pancakes in a stack. And I'm like, Okay, I don't know what you're watching, honey, but I got to sit down and watch this with you because this is pretty <laughs> funny. And it looks really good. So, yes, do check it out. I, I'm liking what I've seen so far. All right. Uh, Daki Woods writes Have you heard of Condor Digital's D, a corridor, I should say, Corridor Digital's D&D show? Uh, Son of a Dungeon. It's only available on their website. Never heard of it. Me neither. It, it, it is funny, though. With so many years, and by the way, somebody brought up fanboys, our boy Kyle Newman, huge D&D guy. He, didn't he write the D&D cookbook or something? He did two different D&D books. He did a complete history of the art of D&D, and then he did this big D, like sh- recipes from D&D. Yeah. Right? Oh. It's sitting on my counter, my kitchen counter. He oh, gave, I was wondering why that was there. I was like, why is there a D&D book in your kitchen? What is That's what you're going to start recipes. on. One recipe yeah, at a time. It's right? recipes like all influenced and inspired by Dungeons all and right, Dragons. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks for joining the John Campia show. And well, Anne's made a couple of them. They're great. So Kyle I'm gonna check that book. out. He, he gave it to me as a gift. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but it's funny because D&D was kind of like subculture for a long time. And then people like Kyle. By the way, Joe Mangianello who runs the world's most famous Dungeons and Dragons game. Kyle plays in his game. Oh, Kyle plays. And so guys like Kyle and Joe Mangianello, Joe, who did wrote the foreword on Kyle's D and D book, um, guys like this and, and they play with Sam Witwer as well are kind of part of the thing along with guys, um, like the, the Vox Machina guys and, and whatever they've made it kind of mainstream again to play D and D and stuff like that, which I'm very, very grateful for. But so I'm not surprised other people got D and D stuff, but I'm not familiar with corridors thing. Uh, I'll keep my eyes open for it though. Daki. Thanks for putting that up there. All right. Uh, Adhi Ravis. Hmm. Forgive me, man. I'm going to try my best. Ravis Hencar. Hope I got that right. Adi writes. I know uh, that there is confusion on this, but if true, hats off to Brady. He truly is the GOAT. Yeah, I'm still waiting for Brady to officially announce he's retiring. I'm hoping he gives us one more season. One more season. That's all I want, Brady. Brady, son of a bitch. You can't just pop your, your retirement. You got to let us prepare for this. Give us like a year for it, dude. Oh, like a farewell tour like, yes. Kobe, like Kobe did. Yeah, just Where, like this, this is my is last, last year. Yes. Whatever happens, happens. Yes. Everyone take pictures, whatever. Yeah, yeah I, you know, know what? This is your That's last fine. year. As long as he doesn't get hurt, because that would be terrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would oh, yeah, be completely sure. terrible. Because he had his leg snapped before. He missed that one season because he got his leg snapped. So anyway, I think we'll know, you know, one way or another. I agree. I agree. All right, Scott D writes the Donnie Darko director's commentary with Kevin Smith interviewing Richard Kelly. Unfortunately, made me like the movie less. Had me question his choices. I've never I've never heard this particular director's it's, commentary. It, first of all, there's a great 4K box set that Arrow put out, both of the Blu-ray and the 4K. And is this particular director's commentary on that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I I would I don't know if it made me wa- like the movie less, but I think that a movie like Donnie Darko has a lot more leave it ambiguous and let right. people bring their own meaning to it. 
I think so. Got it. All right. Next up, Sam Fisher writes, I saw being the Ricardos. I really enjoyed it, but I didn't love it like I thought I would. Sorkin's writing wasn't as snappy as, say, in Molly's game. Yeah, I didn't think being the Ricardos was quite as good as Molly's game, but I thought they were both awesome. Like Molly's game, I love that movie. Loved it. Granted, I'm a poker guy, so maybe a little bit more. But honestly, I thought the movie was fantastic. I really love being the Ricardos. I, I I thought it was great. J.K. Simmons is like at his absolute best. In All this those thing. actors in that were so. Oh, good. I mean, Javier Bardem was so good in it. I mean, all of them were so great. I loved it a lot. But I agree, Sam. I I still prefer Molly's game a little bit more. But I think they're both great. Sam also writes. Apparently, the ship part of Mando had the Jawas find. Let me try this again. Apparently, the ship part Mando had. The Jawas find is the same part that Han, Luke, and Leia and Chewie used to hold open the trash compactor in episode four. I have no idea what he's talking about, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Interesting. If that's true, though, that's interesting. Sam also writes, I wouldn't give Bryce Dallas Howard a movie yet because while she is a great TV director, I don't know how she'll do with script writing and 100% creative control. Here's the thing, Sam. Directors don't write the scripts. Sometimes they do. So, yeah, there are writer directors do. Yeah. Sometimes they do. But 99% of directors do not have 100% creative control of their movie, nor should they, to be frank with you. They shouldn't. Yeah. But 99% of directors don't have 100% creative control of the movie, and 95% of directors don't write the scripts. So, listen, Kevin Feige put it best. When Kevin Feige was sitting down with me, and I asked him, why did you go for James Gunn to do Guardians of the Galaxy? He's never done anything like this before. Kevin Feige said, a good storyteller is a good storyteller. She obviously knows how to take a, a script and a scene and breathe great life into it. And she she's, she obviously understands Star Wars. Plus, she's going to consult with her dad. Yeah. You she's know, I mean, this, she's it's a, a family business. Yeah. You know, and she's been both an actress like her father and... Well, he was an actor, yeah. but she, she an actor, you know, and, and, and having that kind of background and being able to consult with someone like her father, I, I think she's a fine choice Yeah, to and, do a film. And again, you're, you're worrying about the wrong things there, Sam. I mean, she, she probably would not write the script and 99% of directors don't, nor should they have full 100% full creative control over the movies. That's not what they're there for. It's so collaborative art. Great. It's a collaborative art. All right. Next up. Sam also writes. Denzel and Francis's acting in Tragedy of Macbeth was just stupid and unfair. Everyone else was kind of weak by comparison, except Hawkins and Gleason. I thought everybody in the movie is fantastic. But I remember when I came out of uh, frickin' uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, the, one, the bad thing about Tragedy of Macbeth is that pretty okay acting that you think is fine, you realize is absolute garbage. <laughs> when you see... Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, two of the goats, at the peak of their powers. You watch this and you're like, that right there is what real acting looks like. Oh, yeah. And then you realize a lot of the other stuff that I thought is pretty okay acting is not okay. This is the standard. It's like, oh, my God, they're so good. McDormand as Lady Macbeth is unbelievable. I mean, it's. It is. It, it, it's an acting clinic they put on this. It's it's like some of the best acting. Of, oh, it's so good. And seeing them do it together on screen is crazy. All right. Uh, Martindale McLiment writes, one and two. 
Hey, fellas. Good to see you guys. Good to see you too, Martindale. Uh, what are your thoughts on Keaton's Batman being de-aged when we see him first? Uh, could be why they teased him from the back. Could be possible that the Flash doesn't only travel to another universe, but back in time also. I, You know what? That is something we've talked about this before, about when we see Michael Keaton's Batman, is he going to be in his 70s like Michael Keaton is right now? Are they going to say he's like 60s and just say it's, or are they going to de-age him? I think both you and I thought they wouldn't go the de-aging route. I think we're going to see him as he is, and now. I don't think that, yeah. That, More least, like a Batman forever. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. Be- I see. Uh, well, I don't think we're going to see the old man with a cane. Well, but, no, but I mean more of an older. Yeah, I, I think we're seeing old, more like a Dark Knight Returns kind of Batman. Yes. So, I mean, I have heard no information, no legitimate information about whether they will or won't. But my, if I had to put put one dollar on it, I'm guessing they are not going to digitally DH him. They're going to work with him as an older Batman. How do you see it, Rob? I think so too. Absolutely. All right. Next up. We've got... Uh, Unless you have a flashback scene or something. Yeah, but. yeah, that that would be different. Sam Fisher also writes, I worry that if uh, Master Chief never takes his helmet off, Halo will get compared to Mandalorian and not in a good way, especially if the series is bad. I don't think there's going to be... I don't think anybody's going to confuse Mandalorian from that. Listen, it's not the first one to do it. We obviously talked to the Judge Dredd as well. It, I don't think there's going to be any comparisons with the Mandalorian just because the two two different characters wear a helmet. Agreed. I, I don't think there's any danger of that. So we don't have to worry about that one, Sam. Uh, and our final one today uh, comes to us from Jordan Saylor, who just sends in a $10 super chat to be supportive and everything. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Jordan, Jordan Saylor. And that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campia Show, thank you, everybody, for being here and being a part of this show. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campia Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Also, guys, don't forget, we now have the Mailbag Show for the questions. The ones we used to also do in the show, we now do as a separate show called Mailbag. If you want to get in one for your show to be on the air during Mailbag, which we are going to do an episode of Mailbag today, send in your questions to streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting those commenter questions read on Mailbag if we deem your questions appropriate for our show. And thank you for everybody who's already started sending those questions in. I noticed that a whole bunch of people have been sending them even during the show. So first episode of Mailbag is a little bit later today. I want to thank sitting right over here, Saturn award-winning, Kids' Choice Award hopeful, Robert oh. Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people follow you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or RMB, whatever it is. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. And, of course, Ray Aura with his Cincinnati Bengals going to the Super Bowl and a Halo show all coming out. This is like your week, man. My week. Where can people follow my you? My week. Ray Aura with a zero. Uh, don't forget, of course, Chris Carr will be back tomorrow after her and Logan get finished with their move stuff today. You can follow me simply on social media, just at John Campia. But for now, guys, that'll do it for us. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.